0: Why not see what all the fuss is about and visit Arcade Club at the UK's largest classic video and pinball
1: arcade. Now open Saturdays and Sundays. Search Arcade Club on Google or Facebook to find them, or see links in the podcast notes on our site. And welcome to 10 Pence Arcade Podcast. We are an arcade podcast uh, in the UK where we discuss old arcade stuff. Uh, my name is Victor Marland, a.k.a. Vertvic, and you are, sir. I'm Sean Holly, a.k.a. In Your Face, Sean Holly. Pew pew. Pew pew indeed. And yeah. this podcast is on the Retro Junkies Network and also on the Throwback Network. Uh, if you want to listen to some quality podcasts about old stuff and video games in general, go there. There's loads to download. Well then. Let's start off, shall we? We didn't win the podcast awards. Oh, no!
0: No, we didn't, but thanks, everybody, for voting, because yes, I think you. we got into the got into the last three in our category, the Games and Hobbies category. you
1: know what we are, though? You know what Winners. we are? No, not quite. Winners. We are podcast award nominees. Yes. Nobbly-knees nominees, even. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we didn't win that, but oh, well, who cares, we're all right. Yeah, yeah, it was good though, it was good to get get up there. Indeed it was. Yeah. Um, I'm also better now, just about, from having Batman Voice Syndrome. Or, Barbara from Babs Cabs from the League of Gentlemen.
2: Are you here for work or pleasure?
1: Yes. <laughs> so then, sir, what have you been up to? We've been up to loads lately, let's get through it, shall we? Yeah,
0: yeah, I've been to see a band in Manchester, the Wild Hearts, with my friends. I have heard this band. Sort of punky rock and roll, very good. Mm-hmm. I went to a wedding reception last night. That one I, I lied to you about going to Holland.
1: Yes, you lying get.
0: So it wasn't exactly a lie. It was just two weeks ahead of when I told you it was.
1: Yeah, it was... Hmm, we'll let you off for that one. Go on, what have you been up to? I've been to see a band as well, actually. I went to see oh, yes. the Bluetones, 90s indie band.
2: Oh, they were I've absolutely them, brilliant.
1: Yeah. They were really good. I like the Blue Tones a lot. They sort of stopped for a while, and they've come back together again. But Mark Morris, the singer... Produced a, a few single albums uh, on his own that were really good as well. I also went to sue Dismaland. Oh yeah, have you heard of Dismaland? Yeah, it's a Banksy thing, isn't it? It's a Banksy, the uh, the graffiti artist's thing. It's a, it's um it's like a sort of theme park Sal, but it's really miserable. <laughs> but it's done so on purpose, and there's it's a collaboration between a lot of artists. So there's a lot of um, Sort of Banksy style art, and there's like um, sculptures and uh, videos going in animations, and I think there's music. And there's bands playing in the evening time as well. But I mean, it was absolutely ram packed. We waited like we had tickets, and we think we waited fifty minutes to get in. But it was a lovely day wow. in Western Supermare. We had a really nice day out. Uh, I went because so, we were in Western Supermare, It'd be rude not to go on the pier, wouldn't it? Look in the arcades. Oh yes. So I did, and there is a big arcade there, and it's basically the whole of the the pier and. As usual, these sort of seaside towns, it's a welcome blast from the past. You go there, and everything's cheaper than it is everywhere else. And the fish yeah. and chips was amazing. We had a really good meal there in a cheesy sort of old uh, vinyl-seated calf. It was really nice. Uh, I really enjoyed the day out. It's lovely weather. It was really hot. Uh, the actual thing at Dismaland was really fun as well, because all the people who were working there, they had these sort of Mickey Mouse ears on, made out of paint pot lids. And they were all yeah. made to be really miserable on purpose. There was none of, no one smiling. They were moaning at people in the queues. It was really yeah. a lot of fun. It was really, really good as well. Some amazing stuff there. And apparently, it's created £20 million worth of uh, income for the Western Supermass. So they're really happy with it as well. I think it's done really, wow. really well. People are coming from all over the world to see it. because It's like a one-off thing. I think it's just about ended now. I think the last night was a couple of nights ago. Right. I have been
0: to the pool of the black black pool, mm-hmm. and I saw Time Crisis Five, and it's the newer version with the extra three levels.
1: Shooty shooty game, yeah,
0: yeah. It's got two pedals. This one actually, which I didn't oh. realise.
1: So normally the pedal is for—is that for hiding down and reloading? Yeah.
0: So what's the other pedal? This, then? Accelerator. This one is left and right. You can reload <laughs> left and reload oh, right. Oh, so you
1: can hide behind stuff on the left and on the right.
0: Yeah. So if you've got some guys in front of you. And you press. It tells you which pedal to start each 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 segment. So you, it says, press left pedal. So you press left pedal, okay. and all the enemies are in front of you. But if you press the right pedal, you you go round to a side profile of the bad guys, and you've got you know like a couple of seconds to shoot them before they turn and shoot you. Oh, okay. It's quite, quite a good, a good idea, really. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm, te- I'm still terrible at them. I used to be all right at them um,
1: a long time ago, but not now. I've never, never, ever liked gun games. I mean, the only one I sort of really like is the old classic um, Nez Duck Shoot, Duck, duck Hunt yeah. with a silly dog. That's the only one I've really liked. They don't do it for me. I tell you, oh, actually, I lie. I remember the old EM games. Remember the old EM light, light gun games from the like yes. 60s yeah. and 70s? I used to really like those because it's, it's different, I suppose. They were on a big projector and stuff. It wasn't just pointing at a screen. Uh, I've never really been into, you know, the mechanised attacks and the, the um, Operation Wolf and all that sort of stuff and the newer time prices. Yeah. I never really got into those myself. But it's nice mm. that they're still coming out in the arcade, new games, and people are still playing them as well. People do like them.
0: Guess what I also saw on Blackpool North Pier. Which one? A, a, a new game with a joystick. Ooh! An actual joystick on a new game, but the problem was it's one of these redemption things. It's Subway Surfers, Okay. which is a mobile game, which let an endless runner, you know, you can jump left, jump right, jump uh, jump up in the air, and slide. Yeah. So it's ideal for a four-way stick.
1: Yeah, cool. They need so to do like Crossy a- Road with a stick. That'd be awesome. Mm.
0: We're going to talk about Crossy
1: Road in the arcade news, actually. Ooh, okay, brilliant. Go on, what else have you been up to, sir? Smarty Martin Laws, friend of ours. Come round last Sunday for, to uh, nerd out with me, as you like to call it. I checked out my arcade. We had a good go at Death Race. And you know I had a problem with Death Race where the screen wasn't centred? You've seen it, haven't you? It isn't quite in the centre. It's over to the yeah. right. And I thought it was a problem yeah. with one of the, the adjustment pots. It, wasn't, it can go right even further, but it won't go any further left. Martin, the genius he is with these old black and white games, sorted it out in less than five minutes. He just went, Excellent. oh, there's some, there's some tabs on, on the, the yoke of the monitor. And normally on colour monitors, you can screw up the whole picture, like I did with my Dig Dug, stupidly. You can mess the whole picture up. All the all the guns will be misaligned, and your your colours won't come right, and it'll be bleeding all over the place.
3: Bleeding, as is my heart.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: With a black and white, it's totally different. It just moves the screen around, it moves the, ah. the single gun that moves, and you got it in the centre. Well, we've done it. We've done it. And he sort of adjusted it out a little bit, so the screen's a little bit bigger, and it's absolutely perfect now. I'm so happy with it. I think Brilliant. the only thing I've got to do now is find a piece of blast, black um, smoked perspex to put in front of the actual screen to disguise the scratches on there, and that'd be finished. We I mean, had yeah. a good go of it it's as a cool well. Game, he, actually. he did like running over zombies; it was quite cool. Mm. And he had a go of asteroids as well, but he couldn't beat your score. I was trying to get him to beat your score, but he didn't. I played it early, and I still haven't. So you were in trouble, young man.
0: I have been at Arcade Club all afternoon, right? Yeah. I've just got back in the last hour. Oh, okay. And I've been soundly thrashed on asteroids by Charlie Farr. Good. And John Studley was there, and he was thrashing oh. me on berserks, berserk slow bullets as well. Yeah. But on asteroids, right, I am now up to 57,710. That is a respectable score, old son. So I'm improving. But is that normal asteroids, child- did
1: you say, or deluxe? Normal, normal. Oh asteroids. yeah, because deluxe is harder. It mm. flipping is really hard, isn't it? But David
0: Charlie Far is is he's absolutely awesome. He's, he's clocked it. He's on hundred and thirty some mm. at thousand.
1: Incredible. We, we'll talk about him later on. He's in trouble. Yes. <laughs> well, also on when Martin came round to commemorate the event, I made a pear tart tatin the night before as well, and oh, we yeah. had it with cream. Oh, it was lovely. It was really nice. I often make a cake for someone who comes on my house. If you come around my house and you're willing to help out and play games with me, you will get rewarded in cake. Just bring out the cake. Cake and fine
3: wine.
1: I thought it was Mrs. Tenpence that made all the cakes. She does, but I do now and again. I do a guest cake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. A cake. It was really nice. cake. As well as um, sorting out my, my death race screen, he brought a load of his gear around as well, which I wasn't expecting. Um, to help out with the jet fighter, you know, I haven't really had much chance to to mess with jet fighter yet—the old black and white game. Mm. But we got the yep. PCB on the on the bench because I DC modded it because it's an AC game because it's quite an old-fashioned game, uh, 1975, I think it is, and I DC modded it because the the power supply in the machine's actually gone. It's you know it's ruined. It won't work, and I can't get another one, so I had to modify it for DC so I can use the sort of jammer switching power supply, which is you, yeah. know, you can find them to a penny. So he got it on the bench with his little test monitor, and he, we were trying different things out with it, and he got, these, he got my, um, my logic probe on it. He was testing a few things because I don't know how these things work, but Martin was showing me roughly in a sort of idiot Victor might understand type of way how things were working. And it, it, yeah. it, it is, as they say, logic. It's logically how it works. And he, we tested a few things on there, and we found a few Duff TTL chips which we were managed right. to replace. I just whipped them out with my desolder solder gun and put a socket in. We put them in there and different things were getting better. And at the end, he just thought we couldn't get a screen, we couldn't get a display when we should have done. And there's a few other things wrong with it, which he sorted. And there was, I think, three chips in total we found were wrong. So we replaced those and he said, I'll just try one last thing. And he shorted two pins on one of the chips and we got a screen. Right. Because I kept saying, when we were looking at the screen, I kept saying, no jets yet, no jets yet. <laughs> and, and he said, "He said, I don't think we're going to get jets, mate." And I, we looked at it, and we actually got the score up because on this game, believe it or not, there is only four things on the screen—no, five. There's the two jets, the, the yeah. one-player and the two-player jet, the two scores, and bullets. Yeah. So that's the only thing on the screen. Because if you remember, on the bezel of the actual arcade screen, the bit you put over the monitor, there's some clouds on there, so you can actually hide behind a physical screen. So the game is yeah. very, very simple. If you check out in main without the bezels on or at the, and the artwork turned on, it looks so basic. There's just like these two things moving and two static things on the screen and maybe some bullets now and again. But we actually got the screen up. It was a grey screen with the two scores. So that is definite progress. So he's taken the board away and hopefully he's going to fix it for me. guy's oh, amazing. Brilliant. Really happy about that. When I get the board back, I will we'll eventually get onto the machine and get it going. Excellent. You know you're on about an old game there. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, when I was at arcade club today, Andy said, uh, "Come here." So I went round the back, and he's actually managed to find a 1973 Ooh. pong clone really? called called Sports Centre. I remember seeing it on the arcade flyer archive.
2: Yeah,
0: it's called Sports Centre. It's got a cheesy cheesy photo. It's like this gold kind of gaudy kind of front on it. Oh, It's that. a four player pong clone it's got an led display for the score oh i love stuff like that and he says it works so I've, I've got a photo i'll have to send it to you or you can put it on the notes can't i think we, we
1: should yeah 1973 is my birth year that is that is really <laughs> cool i love that i think in a big arcade like arcade club you need a little showpiece now and again yeah he's not getting my death race so not having that but i think an old pong would be really cool I'd like to see that. I can't wait to see that when they when they open up the new place. That'd be r- brilliant.
0: Yeah, really cool. I've also been messing with two different emulators, AAE, another arcade emulator to play Asteroids.
1: Yeah, it emulates Asteroids a lot better. You can you can change around the graphics, can't you? You can put like the sort of um the vapor effects and the blooming and the and the yeah. intensity a lot better on really sharp screens.
0: Yeah, it is good. It cool. is it is good. And also another mame version called mame ui fx. Okay. Which has got some different roms on it. There's a 1942 rom with the Commodore 64 music. Oh in cool. It. That yeah, sounds so, but, yeah. like
1: is it hb mame which has got the really odd versions of things and hacks and all that sort of stuff. Like really interesting. If you know the games yeah. from back in the day and then you try look at these things that have been hacked and moved around and changed. They're quite fun a lot of them. And we'll mm. get on to that one later on. There's something in the news I've got to tell you about it with a with sort of hacked game. Mm. So thank you to thank you to Peter Kayman Sweden for putting oh, me onto that guy. Mame
0: UI FX. Thank you. I'm gonna oh, I'm going to have a look at that. There, there is right a Monaco GP ROM, so it's got to be a, a, a sort of a simulation of it. But I can't yes. wait to play that.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's quite yeah. good because that's not emulating the Mame because it's got no processor. Mm. Oh, cool. That's that. I have owned that game before. But mine was in the, in the guise of um, Taito Speedrest CL5. Same game, different uh. cabinet. It's a really yeah. good game. So that's the one uh, we saw at Eurocade in, in the Copta cabinet. Unfortunately, yeah. it wasn't working. Hopefully, the guys have got it working by now, because that's a really rare cabinet. Really I'd love rare. to play it. Yeah, it's I a great little do. game, actually. It's super. I used to play, well, I think they had that in a chip shop in rugby when I was a kid. I'm sure they did.
0: I did play it. I definitely did play it a long time ago.
1: Hmm. Also, in the arcade on Western Supermare Pier, they had a Pac-Man Battle Royale, you know, the big four-player thing? But this yeah. was the one where you have this sort of the the four separate panels and then the big screen sort of laid off and the thing. I played against the yeah. wife, which I won. In your face, wife! <laughs> in your face! Ping for me for winning! <laughs> also, they had, I spied, two Space Invaders machines in there, original Space Invaders, but... They looked a bit too new and clean to be originals. They may have been repros. Because inside, they had LCD screens, unfortunately. But the actual cabinets looked original. But obviously, with an LCD screen, you don't get the the mirrored effect in the background with the black lights, like on an Mm. original cab.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. But, you know, they were there to play. People can play Space Invaders. There's loads of rides and stuff in there and all that sort of stuff. So nothing for me, really. Mm. Well, the... Retro
0: Game of Forum, Shoot'em Up League, has, has come to an end this season, right? My first full season in it. And I've come fifth in it. There's been 18
1: competitors. No, make sound better than that. There were 18,000 competitors. 18 million, the entire population of Peru. And you were number five.
0: Call me Johnny Five. Yes, yes. So I'm really pleased with that. The four guys that beat me are obviously really... Awesome SM Radius skill level shooters. Oh, yeah, so I'm nowhere near them, but I'm pleased with my fifth place. So that's, that's really good, good
1: mate. I have 18 because those guys are obviously hardcore shoot 'em up fans, aren't they? Yeah, excellent. Well done.
0: Mad skills they got. Mad skills.
1: Mad skills in it. Yes. <laughs> I went in the arcade a little while ago and rotated my Naomi monitor. Oof! On, on your on, own? On my own. That, please, listeners at home, if you've got a 29 inch arcade monitor in your cab. Don't try and rotate it on your own. It's really hard on any broke stuff, including myself. Oh, dear. But the reason I did that is to play these X2, the Taito X2-style shooters, the vertical shooters. Mm. Ooh, you're going to have to get down here, mate. Honestly, you're going to love these. Shigami no Shiro 3, uh, Homura, Raiden 3 and 4. There's some great games on there. Ooh, jealous, jealous. It's hard as heck bullet yeah. hells, but they are they look so pretty on that monitor as well. Really nice. Yeah. I'm going to leave it in for a while I think what I might do in the future is when I've sort of got a little bit bored of the vertical games I might put me Nomi back to horizontal because that's sort of where I play most of the games in whether they're vertical or not through MAME or whatever and what I'll do is leave that hardware set up in there and when I want to play a vertical game I will put a LCD monitor in front of the monitor just to play those mm. games because it, you can yeah. work it on external monitors as well you, see, you can even have two monitors plugged in if you like so, my best of both worlds right. is having to shift a 29 inch monitor every five minutes. That's good. Well, the other thing I've been doing lately is I've been doing a little side project with Sarge. I've been making a Vectrex controller because everyone knows you has got a Vectrex, the old uh, Vector home console, is the controllers on them are rubbish. They're analog mm. controllers, and I think there's only like two games ever produced for the Vectrex that actually utilized the analog controls. Everything was digital up, down, left, right, diagonals, and, and four buttons. Yeah. And. They, they've, Vectrex has got some really cool arcade ports, you know, Time Pilot for one of them, and Berserk, and Scramble, and a few other ports, and yeah. loads of new ones coming out, because the homebrewers are going mad on this, and producing some cool games, and Sarge did um, a little PCB, because he's really clever with electronics, and he's produced a tiny little PCB, which can use either digital or analogue controls, and the four buttons with the Vectrex, so you can just wire your buttons and your control stick up to almost anything. You can have micro switch buttons or tact switches. You can have a an Xbox 360 analog controller, or you can make your own little joystick, or use a Sanwa or a simitsu And yeah. I've actually made a little housing out of aluminium to hold it in. It's quite um, it's hundred seventy five hundred seventy mil by seventy five by thirty five. So it's quite smaller than the Vectrex original, and it's got yeah. four proper Sanwa twenty four mil black buttons on it. And yeah. uses the the sort of 360 nub because that's the way Sarge did the the, the prototype PCB. But he's going to we're, we're in the prototype stage at the moment, and we're going to nail down a few internal bits and a few things I'm going to do. Instead of using the nub, we're going to make it like a stick, like a proper Vectrex stick, and I'm yeah. hopefully going to use TAC switch and use digital because I think analog is wasted on it really because it's not yeah. it's not quite yeah. as good. You got a, it's more of a movement for it. And I think digital would be better with just you know with clicky switches and a proper sort of stick-shaped thing. Uh, and I said, besides, so you've got to redesign the PCB a little bit because it's only a prototype. But the one I've made, I'll put a picture on the show notes, and also I put it up this morning on the Vectrex um, fans' F- Facebook page, which I'm part of, and it went a bit mad. I think I've had about yeah, 40 I replies. I wasn't expecting that. So th- shout-out to the-, the Vectrex guys for enjoying this thing. Uh, the thing I've opened a bit of a can of worms because people are saying, "When are you going to produce them? How many are you going to make? Can you take my money now?" I was like, no. "Take my money, <laughs> calm
0: yeah, down." I saw not, that.
1: You know, we're going to sort of uh, nail it down and get a final uh, idea of what we're going to do. I I've got a good idea. Me and Sarge have got a good idea what we're going to do with it now. And he's done really well on on the old uh, the printed circuit board because that's something I could never do myself. No chance. I can do the grunt work making stuff out of metal and plastic, but he's done the intelligent part basically. Uh, and I was play testing it out the other day, as you do. And it works really nicely. Playing oh, with those proper buttons because the thing about Vectrex buttons is the, the contacts inside get dirty, and you've got to really press them hard to get them to work. Unless you take yeah. the thing apart, and to take the Vectrex controller apart, you've got to ruin the sticker on top because the, the screws are underneath it; they hide underneath it. Ah, oh, so you've know got that. to do that. Yeah, you've got to take it apart. You've got to take the sticker off the top. And what I've done with the new one is put actual. You can see some neat countersunk screws, so you can take it apart if you wanted to take apart. And we're going to make stickers for it, and engraving, and all sorts of ideas we've got for it. So I've been basically trying to do that and getting right into it. It looks really nice.
0: Excellent. So what, did you say two games used analog control? Yeah, I'm I think it was a racing
1: what... car game. Ah, right, And yeah. I don't know the other one, mate, honestly, because there wasn't that many games produced for the Vectrax, 30 or 40 maybe, and then people mm-hmm. have been producing homebrew since. Uh, and there's some more yeah. coming out. There's some really good homebrews as well. I'm really into the Vectrax, love it. Hyper Chase was that the car one? Yes, Hyper Chase. Yes, I think it is actually. Yeah, and it's a really cool Pac Man clone on there. I can't remember the name of it now. People will be screaming at their podcast what the name is. Clean Sweep. Clean Sweep. Yes. Yeah. That's a really cool little game, isn't it? Yeah, it is good. It is. It's good, a yeah. little bit different to Pac Man because you eat the dots and basically your little Pac guy gets full. And you can't eat anymore. You get bigger, and you've got to go in the middle of the screen through a, like a little tunnel of your own, like the ghosts hide out. It's your hideout, and then you, you sort of get a load of bonus points, and you go thin again, and then you can go and eat more. But if you go into the mm. corners of the screen, there's little enclosures, and once you've been in them once, you can't go in again. You can eat the monsters and eat more than you your fill, if you know what I mean. It's a really yeah. cool little game. I really like it. That'd be one for people to reproduce for the arcade with um, raster graphics, maybe. Yes. Or
2: mm,
1: any good. clever hackers out there. Grab hold of um, Pac-Man and do a hack for uh, Clean Sweep. That'd be cool. Mm. Mmm. Sweep Man. Sweep Man. That's pretty clean cool. Clean Pack. Clean Pack's Man Sweepy Sweep. That'd be yes. pretty cool. And another thing I've been doing, I did earlier on today, uh, is I talked to the guys at Griffin Aerotech, the makers of Sky yes. Cursor, the brand mm. new jammer game that's going to be coming out, hopefully, f- end of first quarter 2016. Uh, right. And we did an interview, which I will pop on at the very end of the show. So be look out for that, listeners. And uh, it's about an hour long. Really cool. They've been telling us a lot of progress on the up to lately, and they've been real busy.
0: And now for something completely different
1: arcade news from around the world and local areas.
0: Yes, we have. We've already mentioned this. Mr. Charlie Farr, we're giving him a shout-out because he's got over 100,000 asteroids. I think it was 136, something like
1: that. Mm, I wouldn't say a shout-out. I'd say it's more of a 10-pence fatwa we're going to put out on him because he's far (laughs) too good at games. We're going to hit him with cushions and fire nerfs at his kneecaps until he promises to stop playing so well and beating us.
0: Yeah, as I said, i got up, up to about 58,000, so I'm pleased with that.
1: That is a really good score for Asteroids. I was playing Deluxe earlier, because I had a little bit of time before I talked to the Skycursor guys. I nipped in there, and I couldn't get more than about 17,000. So your stupid name's all over my scoreboard still. <laughs> I don't like it.
0: I think I had a bit of Asteroids fatigue afterwards because I couldn't get above 10,000 after that. I went away for an hour and came back to it, but I think I was just a bit tired, and I just lost it. I just kept dying, so I thought yeah. oh, I'd better walk yeah. away from I this I still
1: now. love it, though. I'm rubbish, but I still love it. Love that going on.
0: I, I, I really, I'm i really into it at the minute. Proper Ooh. into it. Uh, Crossy Road Arcade that we mentioned earlier on. There is a Crossy Road arcade game. Another mm. mobile game that's made it to the arcade. Based on the popular mobile app, this two player arcade version is shipping now. It's been simplified so you can just see how far forward you can jump against your opponent. Okay. So I think it's gonna be a redemption job, isn't it? I would have thought so. As I was looking at this, I found somewhere else that the original Crossy Road has a hundred million plus
1: downloads wow. on mobile platforms. A hundred million. I'm not one for mobile games at all. I hate the the tappy, swipey screen controls, but I really like Crossy Road. It's so simple. Mm. But saying that, as always, I'll always be true to it. It needs a joystick. If that game, yeah. I'll have to look on Steam or whatever you know PC equivalent is, see if they've released a version with a stick you can play. Because if it is yeah. on PCs, you must have to control it with keys or a joystick, I suppose. That'd be so and it, also the in the same sort of vein as Crossy Road with the Pac Man theme is Pac Man two five six. That is yeah. really good. That's the only two games and Grid Runner, three games I've got on my on my mobile phone.
2: But they they yeah. are
1: good. They're a lot of fun They're as all well. Good. Yeah. Arcade Heroes, uh recent coin up release update. We can check out web page. We put that on the show notes. Loads of cool stuff going on.
0: Yeah, that's sort of an update uh- of what's been happening in the last couple of months it's all in one page it's nice to see yeah
1: it's really good that site
0: right as a shmup fan this is awesome for me there is an interview with the darius chronicle saviors guys and suniki aikida mm-hmm. from toa plan and then cave Ooh. and what he said during this interview is that the new cave game that they're on about coming on steam yeah. is mushi himisama it's that one mushi himisama beetles ah, so that's that's the first one. Beatles yeah, and that's dinosaurs, strange. Isn't
1: it? Yeah, very when I've strange. I've played it. It's gorgeous, colourful, purple bullets everywhere, oh, lad. Yeah. Really good. On that arcade Heroes as well, people should look on that. I think there's a video on there, or it's part of the news. There's a game there called "Where's My Crown?" <laughs> yeah, uh, us Brits have that problem all the time. You know, we're all related to royalty and all that. I say, "Where's my crown? Bring me a pheasant." <laughs> I've lost my crown. Yes, where'd I leave that? Uh, our John, John Studley, he's to receive the first ever Billy Mitchell Never Surrender Award. How cool is that?
0: Yeah, never give up, no retreat, no surrender. Yeah, on Pac Man,
1: uh, mm. he's been. I think John is already on one of uh, Walter Day's trading cards, but there's a really cool yeah. one of John playing the machine. If someone's drawn a pencil drawing of him. It's a really cool drawing. It's really nice. Mm. Yeah, Do you know that's my ambition in life is to get a playing card with our gobs on it.
0: I can sort that out in Photoshop if you want. I can do it with my crayons.
1: My crayons.
0: (laughs) Also found, also surfaced, is a super rare Sonic the Hedgehog game. Once lost, now playable, upcoming in a future version of MAME. And as I posted this, you posted a photo, didn't you?
1: Yes. You say it's um, once lost. Wasn't that lost to me, mate? I've seen it. I've been in it yeah <laughs> i didn't realize right because when i saw the news a little a few weeks ago i saw it and thought oh yeah and i looked at the video i was watching it at work when well, i should have been working and i thought oh yeah it's a kiddie game you're you're sonic in a little sort of um little car and you're traveling around places and i think when you you catch up with uh robotnik you've got to jump out your car and bounce on him you know sort of sonic styling and get rid of him but it's a game for kiddies yeah and then yeah. when i looked on i think it was uk vac forum someone you might even knew that posted it on there it showed a picture of the actual cabinet that it was in, and it sparked that thing in my mind. I went, I've seen that somewhere. And I showed the wife, and I said, did I did I sit in that for a photograph? She goes, I've got it somewhere, and she showed me the picture. And I was actually sat in the cabinet, because it's, um, it's a little sort of car you can sit in, and it actually mm. moves the cabinet. It's a, a hydraulic one. I yeah. didn't actually have a go of it, because I think the, the, the people at the zoo uh, in... Ooh, somewhere in Japan. I can't remember it was in Japan, but I, I, we was at the zoo one day because we were supposed to see in a castle there and it had scaffolding all over it because they were repairing it. And we said, let's go to the zoo then, because we always go to zoos whenever we go to a new town. And we was looking at polar bears and I saw it and I sat in it for a picture and there's a cheesy picture of me looking really happy
2: uh,
1: in, um, <laughs> in in the actual cabinet. So it wasn't that rare to me, mate. I'd seen it before, but it only yeah. sort of clicked when I saw the cabinet. I didn't I didn't play the game, so I didn't remember it at all. Hmm. Play Expo
0: is nearly upon us. The big retro... Well, it's, it's half retro, half modern
1: now. Yeah. The, the big event. That's coming up the 10th and 11th of October. Yep, that's the Manchester one. I can't make that because it's my wedding anniversary. I'm doing stuff that weekend.
0: I shall hopefully be there helping James RGP set up the arcade section again. So
1: You can report back from the field. Yes,
0: I could do another one of them silly diary things.
1: Or you can just stand in a field.
0: And another big event. EGX 2015, formerly Eurogamer, would not it? Eurogamer event. Yes. It's just finishing as we record this in London.
1: Yeah, I missed that one. It's all modern stuff, isn't it?
0: That is all modern games. I want to go to that next year because it looks huge and there looks like a lot going on.
1: Uh, Do you have to be industry to get in there? Do you think they'll let us in?
0: I don't think so. No, I think you can just go,
1: can't you? We can just ferret ourselves in in the back door. Yeah. Hmm a ferret right this news is brilliant especially to me i love this there has been a happy hacker called Sockmaster, master of all socks <laughs> yeah. he has made a game called donkey kong remix he has taken mm. the original donkey kong and you know someone did a hack of donkey kong a little while they added four levels to make d2k yeah I've got on my cabinet a little upgrade this guy's totally reinvented the game uh, it's a remix. It's got the original four stages. It's got six, six count and brand new stages and three bonus stages. Wow! Um, the original stages is changed slightly for the second, third, and fourth loops when you visit them. Uh, it's totally changed. He's even put there's a thing now where you have blue hammers and you can jump with the hammers because normally on Donkey Kong yeah. you can't. So you can jump to different levels, getting stuff, and you can jump yeah. over a bad guy, get the points, and then hammer him as well. It's, I've seen the videos of it on, over on the uh, Donkey Kong forum. It's really, really cool. There's, um, there's bouncy springs that could lob barrels around as well as you. You can change uh, direction of the elevators. Oh, there's so many things. I recommend people just run right over there now. Pause the podcast, go to the Donkey yeah. Kong forum and have a look at the videos for it. It's Donkey Kong Remixed. And hopefully, the guy is going to make, um, he's been talking to a hardware guy about releasing this on an add-on board for Donkey Kong PCBs. Suckmaster, if you're listening, take my money now and give it to me. (laughs) I thought Donkey Kong D2K was really cool. This thing is 10 times better and more playable because it's not as difficult. But he's also... I was reading on on the Donkey Kong forum, he's actually changed the... You know the, the famous kill screen where things just stop? Yeah. He's changed it. Instead of it stopping... It goes absolutely berserk. There's about 20 barrels on screen. There's like 10 Firefoxes after you, and it just goes crazy, and you just got to try and survive it. It is right. a <laughs> lot of fun. It looks really, really cool. So if you like uh, or curious about Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., D2K, and even Crazy Kong, you should get on the Donkey Kong forum. It's really cool, especially if you're mm. a technical player and you want to sort of improve. There's loads of uh, hints and helps, and they they delve into the game, they hack the game, they do high-score things. I think all the the top players in the world are on there and stuff as well. Also, Sea Monkey, Adrian, has been messing around with the L system, you know, the Taito L system, which is quite um, versatile. And he's trying to get Chucky Egg 2 on there, you know, the old Spectrum game.
2: Chucky Egg 2.
1: Number 2, yeah. It's quite a bit different from Chucky Egg. Good game, though. I don't remember... I don't remember if I've played that. Yeah, it was a Spectrum. I don't think it was on the Commodore 64. It was on the Atari ST. And he's been messing around with it. So much us kudos to him. He's been doing really well. And he's been doing some rolling demos of it actually working on arcade hardware with the code from the Spectrum version. And I think he's going to stick with the Spectrum graphics because you have to modify the screen slightly to get them all in there because they're a different pixel rate to yeah. the arcade hardware. But uh, Adrian's going to do it. He's sort of settled on it now. And he's doing really well at it. Clever guy.
0: He is clever, and he's speaking to me at NERG about the the difference in resolutions. You're losing me a bit, but yeah, clever guy, how he gets it all to fit in and work.
1: Mm, absolutely. Mm.
0: I Also today, actually, I've interviewed Craig Turner and Dave Otto of Revival Retro Events Yeah. about the winter warmer coming up in, when is it? It's the end of November 28th and 29th of November. Yeah,
1: I'm looking forward to that
0: one. And we've, and we've got like a 15, 20-minute interview, and I shall, can we put that in here?
1: Yes, let's shove it in right now.
0: So, I understand you've got a little event coming up somewhere. Where would this be? David Otto. Wolverhampton in the Midlandshire.
4: <laughs> 28th and 29th of November, is that right? That's right, yeah. Uh, Brookfield Leisure Centre, have we got that right? That's right, yeah. It's, it's a very good memory. Of, for, for anybody who doesn't know, it's part of a riding school complex, which is why a lot of people are struggling to find it. So, right. But uh, it is called Brookfield Leisure Centre, they do all kinds of stuff there. And it's just off the M6 Junction 11, so it's really easy to get to go. So it's
0: running for that weekend.
4: What's the prices like? How much to get in? 10 quid for adults, 5 quid for concessioners, 18 quid for a weekend ticket. And for that, that includes entry to the old events for for as long as the day's run and access to everything the arcades, the pins, the games, competitions, everything.
0: Right, so what can we expect then? I know there's going to be cabs, consoles, you've got a few traders lined up. A few pinballs as well. A few pinballs. Is your, Zach- is your Zachariah
4: going? Ski uh, jump? <laughs> Touch wood, the Zachariah will be making an appearance. Uh, I've got to go through about 14 miles worth of wiring first. Oh, no,
0: I can't believe the, thing. the, the amount of work Then things take just to get them up and running. I thought an arcade cab was
4: complicated, but you look at one of them, it's like unbelievable. The, the guy you got it off though had done a lot of work, hadn't he? He'd said he'd done quite a bit of work on it. But he just he hadn't got to the grips with it, he had to get in the game to run, had he? He got the power and everything back to it, but he hadn't got anything else running really on it, so... I think you've got too much power involved as if you melted wires inside. <laughs> you've not electrocuted yourself yet, then? Just once! No, that's not a bad day,
0: that's Just not bad. Just once off the pinball machine, I'm doing quite well. So you're on three electrocutions now. Uh, Off I a monitor, the electric unit more than three. <laughs> <laughs> there will
4: probably, probably be a few more in the next couple of months because he's also got to work on about five of my machines to get ready for, for November. So <laughs> i will imagine have a few more shocks before then. So
0: so I, I saw on Jammer Plus there's kind of a cab list going. Yeah. Um,
4: what, what cabs have you got confirmed so far? Right, so it's quite a, quite a list we've got going. We've about definitely 30 odd or something. Oh, we, it's pushing 40 now we need oh, it 40. we've got the, some of the some of the golden age classics we've got Miss Pac-Man, we've got Gorf. we've got Kicks. we might have Phoenix possibly um, we've got Donkey Kong we've got Outrun, we've got Turbo Outrun Ridge Racer Saga Rally we've got coming we've got Crazy Taxi we've got Hyper Street Fighter 2 we've got a few candies coming with some jack shooters and stuff in um, Ooh, there will be schmucks yeah, There will be schmucks Definitely Got a couple of Geo's coming as well Which will be quite nice um, Mike Lees had mentioned He's got uh, Geo coming in one And uh, Pete Schmetz from Rastamania He's bringing seven cabinets out from Belgium They're quite unusual actually, It's some jammer styles I've never seen before, but they've got all the way. That's good, that's good.
0: So what consoles have we got confirmed? Because I understand there's quite a few of those.
4: Right, yeah, we've got, well all the classics are there, we've got uh, the 8-bit, we've got the NES, the Master System, the 16-bit. We've got the Nintendo and Saber Wars there. Going up into the 32-bit consoles, we've got the PlayStation, we've got the uh, Saturn, we've got Dreamcasts coming. A couple, of, uh, a couple of PS2s, we've also got um, some, of the, some of the fan favourites, we've got the, the AES, the Neo Geo AES, Oh yes. got that coming, we've got uh, a couple of Vectrexes coming, which oh, people absolutely So One of my prized possessions is my Vectrex, I'm quite, quite proud of that one. And I found out that one of our teams got one, so they're bringing one around as well. Um, but then we've also got all the old computers coming as well, we've got the, the Trifecta, the Specky, the Amstrad, and the Commodore coming. Yeah. And then you've got the ST, the Amiga. Uh, we've got an Atari Falcon coming as well. And there is an Atari Falcon. Oh wow! That was. Was that after the ST? Yeah, it was. It was quite a swan song. I suppose it was designed to compete with PCs directly. Yeah. And it, I don't know if I'm not quite sure of the full story. I don't know if we've got limited release or zero release over here, but there's not very many complete systems available. There's quite a lot of prototypes out there, but um, I believe we've got an original one coming to this one. and um, Probably a few more surprises that people are digging out daily, so we'll see what comes about. And uh, most of those are going to have flash drives on, so really, right. none of this playing around with tape decks, trying to get the volume right to get it to load business. Everything, <laughs> will, everything will be on instant load and instantly available. That's the only
0: thing I don't miss about them old, old computers is the loading times.
4: It's quite good. because a lot of the collectors we've got. They they really look after the stuff we've got. Uh, and I've found out uh, RCM have been asked to they've they said they want to get involved again this time. So they're going to provide a lot of the handheld stuff, the handheld and the portable. So that they'll have the tabletop LCD arcades. They'll have. Oh yeah. yeah. I've asked them to bring their Virtual Boy because I'm a, I'm a personal favourite. That that's well, one of my favourites.
0: Uh, traders wise, what, what traders have you got coming?
4: Well, as I just mentioned, we've got um, Pete Smets coming over from Belgium with his arcade wares from Rastomania. Chris Wilkins, who used to be partnered with, he's popping along and selling his books. Uh, we've got uh, Saw Film Retro Gaming, they're, they're a favourite because people like the. They do a lot of the import consoles and stuff like that, so they have a lot of the Jack rarities and things like that. Uh, we've got Every Bit Gaming, they do Game Boy modifications and they are selling all kinds of retro games and systems. We've got local boy, Nikhil, coming from Vintage Gamer in Pale Zoe. He's got a lot of good wares and he has some absolute bargains. And he's a partner of the show because he provides the systems and a lot of kit to use. So he's a good lad to see. There's a couple of others as well. I can't name off the top of my head. A couple more on standby. I'm trying to cram as much as we can into the small space. But (laughs) people love places to buy stuff. So I'm trying to fit in as much as I can.
0: Can you tell us a bit about the history of the event, right? Because the first one I went to was last year, and it was brilliant. It was a really nice atmosphere, well laid out, loads of consoles, a bit of music at the end. Um, so it started with Chris Wilkins, did it? Was it you and Chris who started it all? And yeah,
4: Chris did some of the small events a couple of years ago. Mm. And sometime after the early replay events, I said it would be nice to get something going in the midlands on the retro field and me and Chris got talking through, I can't remember how we got talking now, but basically I said to him, I want to bring something back to the Midlands. let's see what we can do, and at the time Chris was just starting to talk about the ocean book, and he wanted a platform to launch that, and he said he wanted to do a small event local to him, and I says, if you're gonna do it properly, so obviously I had connections on the arcade front, and with the collectors and stuff like that, he had connections with some of the guests, so we stuck our heads together and in the end we came with Revival. Um, but so that, was that 2013 the first one? Initially, yeah, this was back in 2012 we were talking about this and we had no idea the scope we were going to go to, we had no idea, it took a big risk really. We had, to, I mean, we had no sponsorship, we had, we had no funding from anywhere uh, and we initially had to use a big chunk of money out of our own pockets. It was, It's all been done by hobbyists, that's where it differs from the other events. So, everything's had to come out of our pockets and be invested at great risk, I suppose, to get it rolling. It's a But, in all honesty, I mean, for anyone who's ever hosted an event before, they'll tell you that it's not an easy task hosting any kind of event. It takes a lot of planning. When you've got to get people from all ends of the country who are contributing, when you've got to find find strong backs, is a big thing just to get people in, which is. Actually, Dave came into initially. You've got, you got to move big arcade machines and set up like hundreds of consoles. It's it's a lot of work in unrolling wires and setting up and testing and, and everything like that. So, um, after we did the first one, and it, it became a success anyway. We kind of debated where we'd go from there. We did the mini in 2013, Christmas. Christmas one, yeah. Yeah, but then uh, in the roll up to 2014, it became a, 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 bit, a bit tense, Chris, Chris was building up momentum with his books I had a few personal family tragedies and it meant that thing, in the run to 2014 it got a bit too tense at one point I was going to back out, then at another point Chris was going to back out It was just becoming too much with our personal lives but then so many people came forward to help in 2014, that was when Dave got involved mm. and Dave said he wanted to, to, to be a part of it and Dave came along and, you helped with to set up the teardown, and a lot of the running about him up and down the country. And uh, Dave knew, what he knew his stuff on the technical front with the arcade machines, and that's obviously a big thing. So after 2014, I spoke to Dave and said, do you want to come on board and basically see it to that side of it? And there is the arcade coordinator for it all. Right, excellent. And uh, I mean, obviously he's got good connections with UKVAC, a lot of the members of General Press and places like that. And like I say, on the technical front, it's invaluable. when you're doing an events and you've got machines running for forty-eight hours at a time, you've got to make sure, at a snap, you can just yeah. get in there and be able to get the keyboard running. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I've uh, helped our GP, and you have as well. Dave set up yeah. so many events, and the amount of work that goes in it, and that's just the cap side. Not let alone the consoles yeah. and yeah. everything else.
4: I mean, you've got you've got to put together a lot of components when you're doing these events. You've got to bring together the, the arcade machines. The pinball was a thing that we had untapped in the first year and then finally last year I found a local collector who is an absolute huge fan of the pinball and he's got pretty much a dungeon full of our, oh. full of pinball. Hey it's, it's a mansion of pinball. It's absolutely huge. <laughs> every Machines he's got in there, it's probably been an excess of 100, is not it?
3: Well, I think we pulled 40 out of there and he's still had a fully functioning arcade downstairs. It's absolutely amazing. Wow. It's
4: a fellow called John Derby. So no, he's, a, he's, good. A, he's a nice chap to have on board, and he borrowed some of his prize machines last year. They are immaculate as well, he keeps them absolutely spotless. And, and last year, to his credit, anytime a machine went down, he was on it at a flash. So he's a great person to have on board. We've also now got Steve Paget, who's done quite a few things, he does private rentals, but he's a nice pin collection as well, isn't mean, he? Um, he's got Family Guy and, um, and, his, family. and his Family, yeah, a couple of favourites. Mm. Um, he's providing a lot of you kick know. on, but pretty much this year uh, Chris spoke to me about October last year and said that you know do we want to carry on and do another year and I said I'm not sure yet I'll go see where my family lies and things like that and then in January he said I can't do it anymore I've, I've got to get my books going up my job's getting busy yeah. and everything else Chris stepped out and just asked me what I wanted to do and I said well I've decided you now I, I want to carry it on, I said so if you don't want to carry it on I'll just have to start again and, and build a new team and that's what I've done I found a Dave, I asked Dave if he to be on board a bit more of it, which he is, thank god yeah. I've, got, I've got someone to lean on, which is, which is always nice <laughs> and then um, what I've done is with you, a lot of our former crew members, they've got on board they've become more involved and then as it happens a lot of people have stepped forward and said they want to be involved but the, the, re, the reason we're only doing it a smaller event this year is because the main event takes a year of planning, and it's, mm. you know the summer was already rapidly approaching by the time I got a team together, and I said there was no way we could have gone full scale this year, which is why I've scaled back and found a different venue for the winter. And the intention of this basically is to make sure the interest is still there and hopefully raise the funds to deposit for next year, following year, and go back full scale. Yeah, we, yeah. I want to return it. I've got plans now uh, to do two large events rather than a large one and a small one the plan is to do uh, a larger early summer event uh, slightly smaller than last year's and then do a similar size one towards Christmas and that because of so many dates on the calendar now anybody who misses one will be able to attend the other but still see the same kind of content if you know what I mean
0: mm. you never have too many dates on the calendar I don't think
4: no, no gaming events happen in the middle of any notice games the alive in 1992 so you know, that's, that's a long time ago. And I was at that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, when we brought Revival back, I said, even though I would like to go around the country and do a little bit more, but it's about trying to keep in Midlands, and also found people, a lot of East Midlands, we found people down Devon and Cornwall want to contribute, uh, people over in Wales, and because we're centrally based, No one's got any problems with access because no matter which side of the country you're coming from, it's equal distance for everybody. But I have have got plans to do something big down south as well. Probably talks with some of the guys from the UK VAC about that. I've got to see what happens next year. I can't say too much on it at the moment because it'll ask me not to, but I'm in talks with some people about that. Hopefully, if I do do a two event thing, maybe one will be midlands and one will be Mm. further down south. Right. Grab, grab the guys down safe, Give them something to look forward to. <laughs> and of course, we operate the uh, we got a membership scheme with revival. So yes, yeah, the, the membership scheme is quite important because yeah, we, we felt it was a way of making people feel like they're involved, even when they're not part of the team. Mm. And the people who've got the membership card, they get to come in early at every event, and they're also going to be discounted the traders. And again, it kind of creates. It's great value for people, but it means that they've got a kind of a bonded show then. They feel like it's something they want to be a part of, because mm. they're getting rewarded for being a part of it. So, and, and that's, been, that's been really popular now. There's probably 300, 400 people who are members now. So, and if, if you can get an area an earlier at any show, then obviously that works for everyone's advantage. Yeah.
0: Right, excellent. Right, so thanks very much for your time, guys. I've got one more question each, which I'm going to ask everybody now that I speak to. Your favourite arcade game, because this is an arcade podcast, and why? Wong prey. What's your favourite? Oh, go on, David. Go first. Favourite arcade. I think I might know
4: this. I think you probably do. Yeah. Phoenix. Yes. Always will be Phoenix. I will teach you the three-bird trick.
0: And what, what's moment. yours, Gray? What's your favourite arcade? Game? I'll probably
4: be crucified because mine's not exactly golden age. And my my all-time favourite is Killer Instinct, and it, it's a yeah. very it's a, it's a very sore point, which which Dave will tell you. I've been hunting for that machine for ten years now, and hardly any come up in the UK. It's just it's just hard to find one to come up at all, and it's killing me because I put my hands on every other. Machine that, that, I've, that I've wanted and, and Killer Instinct still eludes me to this day, and I've yet to put my hands on a Killer Instinct one machine. I nearly got one a few months back, but it just kind of fell through. So uh, I'm still still waiting to get my own. But I, I am pretty good at the game, and I do love my fighting games anyway. It's just, just such an impressive machine. I know it's not I know it's not a golden age classic, but it's just such an overpowering machine. It's got a huge mass sound system that just booms at you when you stand near it. And the visuals are very impressive. It's just, it's just it's a mark of an era for me. I think mm. it was, was cementing my love for Nintendo at the time when I was falling out of love with them because of the delay of the Nintendo 64. So yeah. it's, uh, it's something that I'm going to get my hands on one day and I'm going to hold on to. Right, guys. So thank you very much for your time and good luck with the event and we'll
0: see Thanks you in much. a couple of months. Thank awesome. you. Excellent.
1: Nice to hear from the guys uh, telling us a bit about the event. I'm looking forward to that one. I'm definitely going to that, because it's only two hours away from me. Yeah, and me. So it's, so, it's like middle middle of the
0: country, isn't it, really?
1: Echelente. Yes. That's that. Shall we do some pick-ups?
2: Let's,
0: let's do some. Have you got any? Um, I'm scrolling down. Yes, I have, actually. Go on, let's do yours first, because I've got quite a few things. I've got tons. tons. Do you know, actually, have I've actually got one of your pickups by mistake. Oh, yeah. I don't know if. <laughs> right. Have you been stealing you know, from me again? Yeah, from Euricade. We got that really cool 3D Gallagher poster, didn't we? Off of the guy, the guy called S. Jark. I don't know you say that. Okay. But he made these Gallagher posters. Oh, yeah, they're really nice. You nicked my one, did you? He gave us one each. And when I took it out of your boot, I've got home and I've got both of them.
1: You sneakily rolled it up with your one, you
0: swine, sir. So one's on eBay now for 20 quid. It's it's got four bids. Talking
1: of a Galaga. Uh,
0: Galaga, yeah. Galaga.
1: We got a mention on the Pie Factory podcast the other day. We did, yeah. uh, Because I I wrote in some about the joystick from Time Pilot and Gyrus. It's a Monroe stick. It's it's a rotaty joystick rather than just a sort of digitally clicky thing. And they found out the correct way of pronouncing what we say Galaga. Those guys, one of them at least, says Galaga. It's actually Galagar because the people who who developed the game called it Galagar. But because everyone was calling it Galaga in the arcade, they sort of just ran with Galaga because everyone knew Galaga rather than Galaga, Gal- Galagar, Galagar. Sounds like some weird fish.
0: It's the same print, the same intonation as Galaxians. So, yeah. you, so you say Galag-
1: Galagar. <laughs> <laughs> are you drunk, sir? Oh, don't matter. It yeah, so that is. The, yeah. I don't think I can bring myself. I know I, I always moan at people who say Taito rather than Taito, mm. um, but I can't say Gallagher. It's just Gallagher, isn't it? It's Gallagher, yeah. isn't it? That's you with the biscuits, though. Eh? So yeah. pickups for me: uh, a few Taito Type X2 hardware I got a little while ago. I have now bought a dark, soft, hard disk drive full of games. There's 29 games. Count them. On there highlights, I've been through them all. Just a quick look at them are riding Through and four. Four is insanely mm. hard though; it's really difficult. Looks lovely though. Uh, Speaker adventure, which is sort of um almost a bit like a Alex Kidd game, a little platform, really cutesy, colourful platform game. You play a little girl in it, which is quite cool. Oh, Death Smiles yeah. Two, which is awesome, and there's a bunch of different versions of Street Fighter Four, the arcade version. Uh, but nearly all the games on it are. Vertical shooters, horizontal shooters, or fighters. I think King of Fighters 13's got a few different versions on there, some Blaz Blues on there, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's it's really good, and that's why I rotated the monitor in there. But I don't want to be rotating the monitor backwards and forwards, so I will try the idea of having two monitors, so you can plug one in on the side and play games on it. Also, with now I've got this this sort of cheaty hard drive. Apparently, you can buy or you can get a USB thumb drive, you know, a sort of pen drive, with yeah. a version of MAME on it to play some of the newer games on it. It's basically yeah. a PC. It's almost exactly the same as a PC. And also, I was playing some of the vertical shooters. I think it was GigaWing Generations I was playing. Yeah. And I'm a gazillionaire on that game after about two minutes of play.
5: I think, <laughs> I I think
1: the screen showed 15 digits of my score. That's got to yeah. be a gazillion in it, or a bazillion, a begillion. I don't know. I
0: know GigaWing 2's got a massive score, so I suppose that
1: one has I as well. I think a lot of yeah. those modern ones have just got stupid scores. <laughs> But I was playing another one. Oh, I think it was Shikigami no Shiro number three. Uh, and that's got mad scores. But the one character I was playing was some. You, you're not a spaceship or, or an aeroplane or whatever. You're actually a human flying. And the, yeah. the different characters are different kind of weapons. And the one where you just tap the button, you fire sort of, you know, lasers out of you or whatever. But when you held the button down, it's sort of a, a three way sort of like a Mercedes symbol of lasers come out of this person. And as yeah. you, you rotate the joystick round and round, you spin it, the thing spun round like a sort of blade, like a yeah. sort of chopper blade, and you could cut up enemies with it. It's <laughs> right. really cool. I'll show you when you come round. It's really cool. That sounds good. But, yeah, you've got to uh, gyrate your joystick. Ooh, wow. <laughs> I've also got non-arcade-related, but I suppose video game. I've got a grey Spectrum Plus 2. You know, I was after 120K right. Spectrum to play the sort of upscale up games. And I'm going to chop the tape recorder off the end of it and make it into a mini on a mod it.
5: Because I don't need a tape
1: recorder. Yeah, I'm sort of getting into that a little bit. I like hacking stuff up and making it different. So I'm quite into that. Yeah. All right. I also got a 40-inch TV to use as a computer monitor. It's absolutely massive. Did you see that picture I sent you of Sunset Riders running on it? Yeah, yeah. It's bigger than my house. Lucky you. I like having a big screen. When I edit in the podcast, it's nice to have a really huge screen to get in, you know, to do the editing. Yeah, yeah. And geometry Wars looks great on it. It looks really good. Mm.
0: Well, I've, got, I've been given, actually, a, an Atari Jaguar controller. Oh, yeah? With a spinner on it.
1: Oh, they're cool, yeah, for um, Tempest 2000.
0: Yeah, from a guy called Nick Persane from Germany. Cool. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to take it to Arcade Club. They're going to hook up a Jaguar, and then we're going to give it a test drive, see how it runs. Excellent. But it looks really good. So thanks for that, Nick. And we'll have a report back on that when it's up and running.
1: So the guy who did the posters at Eurocade, uh, Yark, yeah. Is that how you pronounce it? Yark. I'm not, I'm not sure, yeah. He was the guy who did the custom Pac-Man build that was there.
0: Yeah, Pac-Man Battle Royale build, yeah. And there's a thread on arcadecontrols.com that shows how we went through it. He's been, he's been doing it since 2012, actually.
1: I thought that machine was a real one. I, I thought it was actually, because when they brought it in, they brought it on a sort of um, pickup truck. As soon as we got there, we saw the pickup truck unloading it, and it came yeah. in parts. I thought, oh, cool, someone's brought one of those. They're expensive machines because they're a modern machine. Mm. Thought, oh, someone's brought one in. That's a good little game to play, multiplayer. It's a great four-player game. Apparently, this guy made it. And the software. He did the software yes, as well. Yes, it wasn't like the Xbox 360 version or whatever, or even the arcade hardware, if you can get hold of it. He'd actually reprogrammed the damn thing. I, didn't, I honestly thought it was a real thing. I did. It looks exactly the same, doesn't it? Guy's a genius. Absolute genius. Thank you for making that, because I enjoyed playing it. Mm,
0: yeah, it's very good four-player, isn't it? Very competitive.
1: Yeah, yeah. W- wife and I do play that. One, and she beat I think you beat both of us, didn't you, when we were playing? Of course. Of course you did. In our faces with a Pac-Man. <laughs> yeah. I think that's it for pickups, isn't it, Vic? It is indeed. Let's do our usual thing and do some feedback. Muerto, <phone rings> podcast, great as usual. Thank you, Muerto. Very kind of you to say so. There's
0: some Eurocade guys here. Andre, level 42, awesome report. Thanks
1: for coming all the way. Hope
0: to see you again. We'll definitely go back, won't we?
1: I, we didn't really talk too much about Eurocade because we were actually there at the time, and my voice was knackered. It was going, wasn't it? I, yeah. I struggled to sort of keep going through it. Uh, I really enjoyed Eurocade. Everyone mm. there was super friendly, the European guys. They all spoke absolutely perfect English, and I'm ashamed I don't know any other languages, but those guys were really accommodating. Pleased to see us as well because we made the trip. And hopefully next year, because we've been once a wedding, we've sort of um, wreckied out the, the way to get there, it was a piece of pie, wasn't it? It was yeah. easy. So next year, hopefully, get some of our mates together from yeah. some of the UK, you know, UK gamer, gamers and arcade collectors, and we get over there ourselves because it was really, really cool. Really yeah. enjoyed it. And there were some really rare cabs, Then I think next year there might be some even cooler ones. Mm. So that would be nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Etienne, Anunnaki, Seekong and Robotech have all been listening to us in the car.
1: Oh, yeah, on the way there, I hope. Yeah, all the way back, yeah. Luigi, another guy from the uh, the DLF forums, the Dragons Lair Fans Forums. Guys, you could have asked, and I would have shown you the cassette player inside the Journey. Remember, Journey runs off a cassette player for the music? Yeah. I I wish I'd... I, we sort of forgot about it, didn't we? We are too busy yeah. playing and talking. We sort of forgot what was going on, and... I did want to see the hardware inside that. And also, we was going to try, on the Berserk machine was there, we was going to see if it was real hardware by holding the two start player buttons down and seeing if it was the, um, the more modern equivalent, which plays Frenzy and Fast and Slow, but we forgot to do that as well, didn't we? J-Rock, yeah. The J-Rock yeah. board, that's it. <laughs> he says it's a, a, a cassette player from Magnafox, that's how old it is, uh, yeah. at level 42, Andre found for me at a flea market. By the way, the volume of the cassette player was turned up so you could have heard it. Did you make it to the bonus stage? We didn't really play that well because you were rubbish, at Alec. Mm, it's a strange game. It's a funny-looking game, isn't it? Quite unique. Nice to see mm. one, though, in a flash. Odd graphics. Very mm, odd. Odd, very odd.
0: Mm. Curious X2. I don't know if that's how you say it. I presume so. Thanks again for me- making such a long trip. That's dedication. It was great to finally meet you in person after listening to you for so long. And a special mega massive thank you for giving me for free the two red long leaf buttons. That was you, wasn't it? Giving I him some le- Giving him some leaves. we will go straight into my Tron this weekend. You rock!
1: Rock! It was a pleasure. I've never used the things, never going to use them, and it's going in a dedicated machine. Mm. Uh, it was our pleasure getting there, to be honest with you. Really good. <laughs> Arch, which was um, hack-on. From Norway, the guy we spoke to. Whoa, thanks for the new edition. Great report from Eurocade. And thanks for the shout-out. It was really nice talking to you guys. I wish we could have chatted some more, but the weekend just went so quickly. Next time, definitely.
0: Yeah. Neil 1637 is behind with the podcast, you naughty boy. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, But meaningful feedback to follow. Okay, we look forward to that. Mm. WTG Bob. Long time, no feedback, but still listening to the podcast whilst running to and from work, nutter. But now it's even creeped into the marathon training. Wow. Great episode, even though Vic could have used a locket or a tune or some yeah. sort of lozenge for my throat. <laughs> yeah. Mappy 24, this is Ian Cullen. Mm-hmm. Brilliant episode,
0: but I disagree with everything that Vic said about Snow Brothers. It's Band. a fantastic fantastic game that he's sticking his tongue out. You do get some different baddies on stage 40 to 50, and I did see these. Mm-hmm. I tried to play through it, like I said, and then just... It got a bit difficult, so I just put YouTube on and watched it. Yeah. But there are some different ones. You get flying birds, hate hey beak,
2: beak. <laughs>
0: and these are the bad guys that pause and then fly ahead of you. Yeah. You can also fall down through the floor on most, in fact, if not all of these stages, and you appear from the top of the screen, yeah. so you can fall down. You can do that on Bubble Bubble, can't you? Fall from the top yes, to the bottom. Yeah,
1: that happens on yeah. all levels. Yeah.
0: So you quickly fall down, get a couple of baddies before they've had a chance to realise what's going on. With two players, you can still get the bonus cash on some stages, but with one player, it's just a case of killing everything as quickly as possible and forget about the bonus.
1: Yeah, it gets harder that, that late in the game, obviously.
0: Yeah. He actually said he didn't finish the game, but he died on the final boss.
1: Oh, how annoying.
0: Yeah. He says, I'm sure it doesn't loop at the end, so the world records are achieved purely by score leeching.
1: Oh, what was the world records? Three, four million, wasn't it?
0: I can't remember, it was a lot, weren't it?
1: Yeah, heck of a lot, yeah.
0: A lot more than we got. A
1: mm, lot more than I got.
0: <laughs> Never really played a next game before, so I'll need to check it out. That's the awesome Sunset Riders. Bumset Riders.
1: Awesome. No. no. I'm just giving you a flat no to that, as the listeners will find out later. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, yes, one of them. Uh, Silver Fox, I'll make Silver Fox. Uh, great episode as usual. To be honest, all I heard was talking ping, talking ping, talking ping, talking ping. <laughs> the episode was pingified. Some great points. And yes, there was a lot of similarities with Snow Brothers and Bubble Bubble. Uh, but Nightmare in the Dark, now that's a cool game by SNK for MVS only. You can play it on an AAS with adapter. Yeah, we forgot to talk about that one. The same kind of game, but mm. with a sort of um, Halloween-type edge to it. Yeah. I do agree how they made a snowman, which is supposed to be a friendly figure, into a little bit hellish and freaky. Mm. I think I missed my edited comment on the last podcast, so the last part was not read out, so here it is again. (laughs) Congrats to Tori, my wife, for breaking the world record on Mr. Driller. And I hope you guys can get a recorded version done and get it verified and added to the high scores. I will do that because I'm going to buy a small video camera before long, Mm. so we can mech about with that. And also, when I go to America, I want to sort of do some reports from the arcades in America. And also, we yeah. can do bits and bobs, you know, when we're playing at home and stuff as well. I sort of don't agree with the uploadable high score and things. You know, we were talking about the high score kits that Joachim was making at Eurocade?
0: Yes, yeah.
1: He says, high scores, one, should be for personal competition to try and beat your own score and not lose your last score. Or in Sean's case, desecrate other people's high score tables. Hmm. <laughs> not international competition. <laughs> and two, it would be easy to mess dip switches and upload inaccurate scores. just standard high score kits should be available rather than uploaded ones. Ah, but Sarge Jochen did reply to this on the UK back forum saying that the game's dip switches automatically get uploaded with the scores so you can see if someone has been playing with by the rules or not. Also the high score kits he makes have an option where you can store all of your high scores. so say if you look at your cab if you take your cab to a meeting and someone like Charlie Farr went and obliterated your high score table. You can restore it to back how it was before the meeting. So you can save your own scores. So that's pretty cool, huh? It is good, though. So it's going to be sort of an official European thing. So if you use these high score kits and you upload your score to the, uh, to the servers on the internet, you can tell if people have been using, you know, three lives, uh, medium scores, extra lives at blah, 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 rather than sort of doing an easier game. So it's going to be sort of an official thing, and you cannot cheat unless you're cheating with, say, a rapid fire button or something like that, or you're getting someone else to do it for you. Your actual scores are gospel, mm. you know. So I think if you're going to cheat, you're a bit of a loser anyway. So yeah, it's, yeah. those scores are going to be really cool. I, did
0: are you going to Galloping Ghost when you go America? Oh yes. Do you know they're
1: expanding? Did you hear that? I have heard. I listened to the, the Pie Factory podcast, and they're going to be putting. They're going to be ramming another 200 games in a new place. They won't be at the new place by the time I get there in December, I don't think. It'd be nice if they are. That's a shame. I am going to get on to Doc, the owner of the place, and tell him I'm coming and hopefully meet up with him.
0: Yeah. They've got 478 games. Oh, my Lord. The biggest arcade in the world, and they're going to add 200 more games. Oh,
1: that is heaven, isn't it?
0: Brilliant, and I've got to go there. You've got a big... Big suitcase, aren't you? I you can said. ram you
1: in a suitcase. You'll fit in, won't you?
0: I'm a tubby lad.
1: Yeah. Well, I might have to pay the excess on the suitcases, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Man Sweden, well done, sirs. Thank you very much.
0: CNP. is put, new listener to these, caught the last five over the last week, and they're awesome. Great work. I was laughing and saying in my head... There's a red cow in Reddin near the Red Lion. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're on about that pub, weren't we? I was. And then Sean even said he's trying to think of pubs in Reddin. Anyway, fully rekindled my desire to play old arcade games as my Asteroids is currently in hospital. I fired up the Supergun, and New Zealand story, and played that for a bit. Nice. Good
1: game to play. Mm. Nes for life, Phil. Nice one, fellas. Enjoy this one loads. He was very sad that he sold his Sunset Riders PCB earlier this year, though. Yeah. He should have tossed it over a cliff into a lake of fire.
0: No, he should have wrapped it in a warm blanket of love. Oh, no. <laughs> warm blanket of petrol and set fire to it. <laughs> nope. Mark Ban. Great podcaster's ever. Listening to my seven-week-old daughter. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Starting her young. Absolutely. <laughs> also makes me want to play Asteroids. The Asteroids is on everyone's mind at the minute. Yeah, it
1: was on it's, mine
0: earlier. It's the game of the... the it's the zeitgeist of the... I'll of the, oh, shut up. Asteroid. You know what that gr- means? Zeitgeist, it means something to do with... um, Geisting of Zeit's. Is it some kind of (laughs) old Eastern European horror film? We'll say yes, for Mm. the purposes of the podcast. Yes, Uh, and he says he's nowhere near Sean's score, though. Shut up, Meg.
1: (laughs) Tin, father of gold, friend of frankincense and myrrh, probably, Uh, to resurrect (laughs) this now old thread... My four-way sticks arrived the day before a holiday, so they didn't get used. Boo. I've now stuck them in my main stick box thing and looking for a little more time to get some practice in. Next week's game, next show's game, is a four-way. There's a little clue for you there, mate. I don't know what it is. This is the first time I have no idea. Because I'm not going to tell you until the very end. It's something you're going to be good at, and I'm crap at. That's what it is. Uh, I'm all right at it. (laughs) I'm not sure I like them all that much. They're Sumitsu LS32 SEs. Ah, some more on them too as well. With the gate set to four-way, obviously. And I'm also a bit more of a Suzo competition type of stick fan. Chip shop, jammer. That's what we call those arcade sticks. I do, however, find my commands are still ignored, often though, by the little swine. So I'm wondering about Vic's comments about main versus real board. I notice the sound is quite dodgy most of the time in main. And sort of the YouTube vids are not and MAME's speedo is always showing about 99% down to 80% when intermission screens are going on. I wonder if that's interfering with control at times. Maybe I just need a faster PC, or maybe I'm actually just crap at it. He's playing Mr. Driller, and I played Mr. Driller on my uh, Naomi machine in the arcade garage, which is MAME, and Wife was playing the original PCB next to me, and it was considerably slower on MAME. But on my MAME computer, which is quite a lot quicker... It was arcade perfect, so he's either needs to change his settings mm. in Mame, his ini files, because he's got something going. I had this problem with my friend Adrian. Remember, he'd yeah. mess, messed around yeah. with this, and it was slowing everything down. If you're not got hundred percent, you will not get it perfect. So, Tin, if you send me your ini file, I'll have a look at it for you, mate. Send it to me on the UK VAT private message, and I'll have a look at it for you. Because it's something to do with that, I think, because I yeah. think the specs he sent me are, should be good enough for Mister Driller, right? He's also keeping an eye out on the internet for a PCB. There's a Mr. Driller two on there, but he seems he thinks he'll keep the funds for Driller number one. Driller two is better, and Driller G is even better again. All three really good games.
0: Driller two's in arcade Club at this moment. Oh, wow, awesome! Great. Yeah, yeah. I didn't play it at all. Sorry. <laughs>
1: I will when I go there. Yeah. I'll also actually need to get to fix the horizontal cab that I have it in in time. It's not in good nick. So yes, get it fixed. Nice one, Victor and Sean, and give me a new addiction. I think Ta. <laughs> Bonjour. Thank you again, once again, oh mighty Tenpences, for another great podcast. I think this is from the same same uh, feedback. Listen to three times already. That's because I have a short term memory of a gnat, a gnat, not a gnat, a gnat. <laughs> and I've been trying to su- some of the other podcasts you've recommended, but completely not managed to get into any of them, which must indicate you possess some kind of superior podcasting skills. So really, Tenpence Podcasts is, is in- instead then. Love the background noise in this one, giving a real live arcade and outside broadcast feel, but although the compression wrangled it with it a bit. Do you notice that? I thought that. Because
0: I edited it right, and I sent yes. it to you as 192kbps, Okay, and then you've added on the beginning and the end, and... and, and put it down to 64 yeah and something has happened there you can tell when on on when we the s's when we say the s's you can tell there's a lot of compression and it doesn't normally happen oh, okay so it might be something to do with my windows compression and your mac compression might have done might have had a fight maybe
1: yeah cuz yeah. what what happened is i listened to your editing at work yeah and it sounded absolutely fine especially for an outside broadcast we were just sat on a step outside you're okay talking into your little um, dictaphone and I listened to it and I thought "All right." when I get home that night I popped on the start and the end the intro and the outro and then um, scrunched it all down to mp3 so maybe that has been lost because I I didn't listen to it after that I just dumped it out to the public yeah so sorry about that if it it does sound different I didn't realise but um, we shouldn't get that problem again because we don't do many outside broadcasts yeah it was something it was something weird okay so
0: we could could go up to 128. We could see how it goes, couldn't we?
1: Yeah, yeah, okay.
0: It double, doubles the file size, but it still shouldn't be a massive file.
1: Yeah, I was also thinking maybe some people listen to it streaming and some people downloading it as a file, I don't know. S- screaming? Screaming, yeah, screaming it. Oh, ah, these not not idiots again. <laughs> yeah. And the same feedback regarding CRT screens, cathode ray tubes and burn, the rear projection you mentioned are also CRT, but I assume this bit... They are higher powered, somewhat different than your standard tube because they have to project the image, hence why they burn like a swine. The later ones have LCD or DLP projectors in the back, hence they don't get any burn. But I haven't personally seen any arcade machines that used them. I would have assumed that the manufacturers, perhaps only after the first few cabs, new static and repetitive stuff would burn in. I like you suggest decided not to care. They weren't going to last that long, were they? They were moneymakers. They weren't designed to last 40 years. Mm, yeah. Particularly in them doing cabs with rear projection CRT, they were definitely going to burn in. My personal favourite is pole position, with its whacking great big white game over burn into every cab ever made. I suppose, yeah, you do see that on pole positions. Yeah. Uh <laughs> oh, this one uh, from AJ Hippel is Jochen, who the yes. guy who's doing the the high score kits. He's definitely he sort of backed up my thing about the metadata getting sent of the the dip switches. Yeah,
0: and we had uh, Darren Dasborg. Mm-hmm via Facebook, he's from the Retro Domination Podcast. Yeah, the Australian guys. He's just picked up a Dragon Breed PCB, his holy grail, for a bargain price of 150, I presume that's Australian dollars. That's
1: not a lot of money at all, is it? Mm. I think when we spoke to him, I said to him, snap that up immediately, that's cheap. And he has. So well done, Darren. Good game. I like it. Good game, good game, sir. It is really good, actually. Also, I just missed the bottom of of, um, Jochen's uh, feedback. He says... But it isn't all about destroying high-score tables on a friend's cab. That's what I wanted at Eurocade. Yes, Mr. Holly. Destroying a friend's Asteroids Deluxe high-score table?
2: Hmm.
0: It's Hmm. a challenge. It's not a very high score.
1: It's a challenge. You can beat that. I will not let... I was trying to do that earlier. I will not let that lie until I've removed your stupid name from that high-score table. (laughs) Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, you monkey. That's all the feedback done. Let's do some shout outs.
0: Right. I have got just one shout out. There's hundreds of people and we love them all, but this is just one shout out. A guy called Les Potts on the UK VAC forum. Oh,
1: my Lord. Yes. Has
0: created. A basement arcade, as he calls it, and it is one of the best... Many people have said this, one of the best games rooms I've ever seen. <laughs> it is amazing, is And we've got a link to it, but I think you can only see it if you're a member of UKVAC, so I There's- wonder if we can take some photos off it.
1: Yeah, maybe. Take one. Yeah. I mean, it is a beautiful place. He's put some before and after pictures of basically... He never used a basement in his house because in the UK... We don't really get basements, do we? In America, it's a big thing. Yeah. Uh, In the UK, you don't usually get a basement, probably because of the flooding in the UK. But the basement in his house was basically nailed up. You couldn't get down there. No one ever used it. And he's taken the barricades down, and he's made the most beautiful, I'd say man cave, but it, it is a proper, almost like a club, isn't it? A pub club with his arcade games in. He's got his own bar in there. He's got a really beautiful lighting system in there jukebox all right it's it's to die for i mean yeah. the only one i've ever seen that's better than this is some of the american guys there was one called lunacade a few years ago have you ever seen that no, no. oh it's amazing honestly <laughs> but i think um it got lost i think a divorce came about or something bad news happened and it, it all went but i mean if you can look up some old pictures of lunacade it's really really nice but that les pots well done mate you've Done a beautiful job of it. I mean, I'm really envious. It's lovely.
0: Yeah, he's been working on it for 11 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> 11 years. And
1: saying that, some of the cabs in there, some of them are to my liking, some not. I mean, but kudos for getting a, a three-screened Ferrari F355 downstairs into a basement. Yeah, yeah. Shout out for me, for Smarty Martin, for coming round and sorting my death race monitor and playing and enjoying my pair pe- pe- tart tartan. Also, uh, shout-outs to the Skycarser guys, all three of them getting together and talking to me from America. Thank you, guys. Pleasure talking to you again. Excellent. Also for Sarge, as usual, for doing his electronic gadgetry. I spoke to him earlier, and we are talking about our Vectrex controller, so that's cool. And also, thank you to the Vectrex guys for being all interested in on the Vectrex Facebook page.
0: Mm, mm. Vectrex fans unite, I think it's called. Indeed we do.
1: Unite, up in arms. Yes, with the Vectrex I- controller. It's rubbish. Let's make a new one.
0: Yes. Brothers. With your pointy lines and your non-complicated graphics. Yes.
2: Lines and lines and lines and lines and lines.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're going off a bit now. No, Come bit. on.
1: Let's do mm. some forgotten gems then since we've gone off a bit. Ready? Oh. Now, I did this one early because it's a game... Going back to Eurocade, I played there. Space Encounters. Mm. Now, you really cannot play it. I tried it in MAME. It's awful. You cannot play this in MAME mm. because it was. It's. I actually found out it's analogue controls. Right. Yeah. Makes sense now, doesn't it? Yeah. Because in the game, you've got like a handlebars thing with sort of um, almost like a flight handlebar system. Yeah. And to go backwards and forwards in the screen, it's sort of like a 3D game, but it's black and white with like overlays and... and red lights around the screen when you crash. If you push the whole thing inwards, like an old sort of jet fighter plane type thing, you go in and out of the screen, and you Mm. go left and right like a steering wheel. And it's just... I'd never never really played it before. I must have played it when I was a kid. I'm sure they had one at the Arcade Barn in Exmouth, or a game very similar. It's a really beautiful-looking cabinet, a really striking-looking thing. And because it's just black and white, with all these overlays, it looks... A color 3D game, and when you crash or get killed, you get all these red lights from behind the bezel like flash at you, and it's a really nice effect. So, that one for me is a forgotten gem.
2: Mm,
1: yeah, and you, well, the one I'm
0: going to pick is Willow from oh, Capcom yeah, 1989. Capcom
1: game. Yeah, 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 it's like a scrolling platformer.
0: Yeah, I only have vague memories of playing this. I've, I've put it on and played like five minutes, and I think it's a really good game, and I want to get into it. And I've picked it really as a reminder for me. For a future so game? I, yeah, so I can have a right good go of it. But I think it was, I, I think I played it quite a bit. But when I tried it this afternoon, I don't remember the levels very much. Okay. That's that's my memory. But yeah, I would say Willow, Capcom.
1: Yeah, Capcom were doing some good games up to about 1989, I think. So mm. it's a good old old school one, yeah. Yeah. And Frothmeister sent one in. Pooion, Konami 1982, with little piggies. Yep. Cool little very, game, that is. I like that game. Very unusual. And that was ported to about every single computer and console you can think of. And mm-hmm. they're all pretty good versions. It's quite a simple game. Yeah. Body Pop. Body Pop. We- body Pop. 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 Sorry. <laughs>
0: yes. Weckley Mans from Konami.
1: W.E.C. Lee Mains.
0: Yeah, a cool little driving game. I got quite into this. Yeah, nice one. And Grubder. Blazon. Blazon. Blazon, that's French. Blazon.
1: Or Blazon Honneur. In my own version
0: of my mind. (laughs) You know, we went in that, when we were coming back from Holland, we went in that nice restaurant called Le Tete de Boeuf.
1: Yeah, Le Tete de Boeuf. I've been saying that a hell of a lot for no apparent reason. That steak in there was amazing. The French really know how to eat, they really do it was a really nice read. place wasn't it cool place yeah, yeah. but France didn't like their weather very much it absolutely hammered down with rain didn't it
0: <laughs> it did I got soaked
1: Didn't we I? were in Lille and it was a lovely place but kind of marred because of the weather mm. come on France pull yourself together get some nice weather for us
0: mm. yeah so this Blazon is a horizontal shooter which I
1: need to have a look at it's and a it good sh- it's a really good one it's not impossibly difficult like Viewpoint mm. yeah. uh, it's a good, good game good game mate really good good game, good game. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs>
0: so that's the um, forgotten gems for this time if you've got any forgotten gems please write in and please tell us
1: send them in because we're getting desperate <laughs> don't,
0: don't forget yeah if you do forget we're going to have to change this what, what can we have for next
1: Sean's song? singing segment that'll make
0: him write them in did you like me singing that was good weren't it it was terrible It was please so don't bad. again I was making myself laugh like bad. <laughs> I
1: noticed you fool oh, yeah. I couldn't do anything about it you were editing yeah Right. You're gonna put it in again though, aren't you? Uh no. Yes, you are. Not unless you hold a gun to my head. Alright, a, a virtual gun. Let's have a musical interlude. And would you like Goanga stage four or goanga stage one?
0: Well, I've failed to listen to both of these. So, so make will... it,
1: take it one out of your hat. <laughs> so I will say stage four. Let's do stage four, which is the Buddha stage. Ah! Awesome music, awesome music. It is music. very good, it is good. Those, those cave games have got beautiful music. Sometimes mm. you just want to sort of not fire so you can hear the music when you're playing the game. But I think mm. you can get those uh, on CD and you can probably download them as MP3s to listen to. And it's music's good enough to actually listen to, not just while playing a game. Yep. Right, on to the bad bit. Featured game review. Do you know what? Mm. I know you don't like this. Difference of opinion like going to go on here, chum.
0: I know. And I think, right before we get started, do you know the last time we actually a- a completely agreed? Ooh, when well, I was about seven, a- wasn't it? <laughs> on a game yeah. when we both really liked. It it was Kicker, and that was in July. Yeah. So that so that was like twelve weeks ago. The last time we both completely agreed on a game, and we both like
1: Kicker. Yeah, yeah.
0: So it's not going
1: well. <laughs> no, it's different opinions, <laughs> sir. Different opinions. Yes. Yes. We- none of us are right. Everyone's got an opinion. Everyone's got a, a likable game. So yeah. Right then, I will try and review it without bias, um, objectively. Chance. Yes, I will. So, this is Konami's Sunset Riders, or you am going to like this bit. I like nice mm. in Japanese. Released in 1991, so it's a bit beyond our our era, really, but not too far. And you can play up to four players at a time on this game. How much? How many? <laughs> How many? four players the hardware is a PCB it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 hardware and alarm bells are ringing to me already because I hate hate, Ninja Turtles Uh. Easy Victor Tatana Twinbee and Parodius also comes on the same hardware which are great games Mm. so Sunset Riders is importantly an eight way game with two buttons shoot and jump diagonal down and jump you do a slidey slide across the floor Yep. which is good for the later levels, I think.
0: Yeah, Can I say the first positive thing? Go on, then. Because you're going to kill it. No! Sunset Riders. Cool name. Yes.
1: It is a cool name, isn't it? Th- there are some good things about this game. Good, yes. Unfortunately, the play- gameplay isn't. <laughs> right, anyway. So, the game uh, is go right and shoot at some of the cowboys, basically. Mm, yes. But there is added things. You can choose to be one of the four cowboys. Uh, Steve, Billy... Bob or Comano? Who? Uh, Comano is the shoe-in Mexican, and he's a bit of a lazy stereotype. Our Mexican guy, isn't he? Uh, yes, they all are. Really, the they whole are. game is really. <laughs> definitely real cheesy cowboy type things.
0: I like a bit of Gorgonzola.
1: Basically, he's got a big sombrero and a poncho on. Yeah. And guess what? He's got a gringo mustache beard thing going on as well. Uh, another version of the game because you get different ROM versions of it. They use alternate alternate names for the. The bad guys, the bosses, and the players. Oh, I didn't know that. The different characters got different shooters, different shooters mate. <laughs> some of the guys oh, have s- some of the guys have six shooters, which you imagine from Calvin. Some have got shotguns, and I think one's got a pea shooter, bow and arrow. I don't know mm-hmm. something like that. And the guns <laughs> can be doubled up when you get the sheriff stars that pop up now and again. And you, sir, can explain the power ups for me.
0: Yes, silver stars mm-hmm. increase your guns' power. Yeah, gold stars give you the holiest of holy in shooters auto fire.
1: Ah, oh, I see. Okay.
0: Yeah, so you can have a a weaker gun with auto fire. Yeah. And you can have a stronger gun with auto fire. That's so you you can pick up a gold star with two gun symbols on it. Yes. That's a maximum power up so you get your, your double double shots with auto fire. So that's what you're aiming for.
1: Mm, There's sort of a spread shot, isn't it? You can't really miss with those guns. Hmm.
0: That yeah, the the Apparently, the two shotgun guys, which is Bill, which is Bob, who I used, and Kumano, they've got a wider spread shot, but they're weaker. I use Dave and Trevor, and Steve and Billy have just got two streams of bullets. Okay, in, instead of the whole wide shot, and,
1: but they're more powerful. Apparently, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's how they do it, you know. Single shot more powerful, spread shot less powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, let's walk you through the levels, which they're not many, yes, but they're quite detailed. Level one, you walk left to right, shooting bad guys, and also try to avoid natural, in inverted commas, obstacles. Uh, And you can stand on a rake in this game, and you get the the sort of hilarious, and you get smashed in the face with a rake. Is there any point in that
2: part? It's so
1: funny. (laughs) No, it's not. It's awful. No. Uh, I don't know, why did they put that in? Does it? You don't lose any health or lose a life for it, do you, when you get smashed in the face with a rake? It's just a hilarious part of the game. I think it's, yeah, you can just get killed when you sort of come to, can't you? Because oh, it sort of the guys. slows you down. But there's never normally yeah. any guys near the rake, so you just avoid the rakes, jump over, and whatever. Also, when you see some scared chickens, and the screen starts <laughs> to shake, a stampede is coming your way. And there is a it herd is. of very odd coloured cows, Moo. You're supposed to jump on top of their backs and keep going right. It doesn't actually tell you this, and it shows you how to move the joystick, which is helpful. So, one, why are the cows orange, pink, and red, Mr. Holly? They're not. They're different shades of brown. What? Pink is a shade of brown? <laughs> <Idiot>. <laughs> if you squint. If you, yeah. if you look through a crack in, in a screen with your eyes closed, the, the, the cows, I joke not, are orange, pink, and red. What? And they so, like bulls. Yeah, but you still don't get pink bulls, mate. Yeah, but you said you've put cows. So you've got that wrong. All right then, it's steers. <laughs> so that's the one thing, right? And number two, why don't you just shoot them in the face with your unlimited bullets and have a massive stake? You could do. If I had a shotgun on me and a herd of cows coming towards me, I wouldn't jump on top of them, and run across them. I'd shoot them in the face with a gun. Anyway, yeah, they will allow it. It doesn't make sense, does it? Not really. It doesn't make sense. So, I also saw, talking of odd coloured animals, on the first level you see some pink horses in the background with green manes. I must admit that
0: is slightly odd.
1: I was thinking, right, do you <laughs> think that MAME hasn't quite emulated the colour palette properly on the game? Have you seen the, the game running on a proper arcade cabinet with a PCB?
0: I have, and it's exactly the same. They're
1: still pink and green. Yeah, those crazy Japanese Konami people. Yeah. Okay. Uh, You can also from just going left and right across the screen, you can actually jump up to another level, rather like Kicker, where you jump the through. You can jump up. You can sort of press up and jump, and you'll you'll sort of volto up to the next level, so you can jump on platforms and stuff. Yeah, it's kind of like Green Beret or Rolling Thunder, more like Rolling Thunder, because you sort of dive up, don't you, and you dive back down again. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You progress shooting guys, jumping over a load of cows. You get a few more cows to jump over. Moo. And at the end of the level, you come face to face with the first boss, Mister Simon Greedwell, a pun on the fact that he likes cash. Ho ho, <laughs> bloody ho! <laughs> right. So basically, he's on the level above you. Uh, he's yes. in the middle, hiding on two pink pink barrels again. Pink barrels aren't they brown? Uh, well, barrels yeah. should be brown, mate. Brown barrels. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to be in London tonight. Uh, uh, we have so you sh- the minions shoot a uh, normal sort of cowboy guys come out and shoot at you diagonally you shoot those guys eventually they go away and then you've got to shoot at the barrels in front of Mr. Greedwell once you've shot his barrels away you can actually I watched a video on this and I even did it myself you can stand just slightly to the right and as you shoot at him he shoots at you but he won't get you so yeah. his first boss is even I did it really easy to kill when he dies he says some hilarious cheesy thing about burying him with his money
0: marry me with my
1: that so that's him dead, that's him off.
0: Yep. It's uh, time to pay.
1: Level two, number two. Level two. You are now on horseback, so it does change quite a bit dramatically. You're not sort of running around with your gun; you're actually on a, on a horse. <laughs> you're following a train on a track, which is typical sort of cowboy coolness. You shoot bad guys who are on different horses: white and brown horses, my I ask, I may add, not pink yes. and green ones, not mythical magical. Unicorn black horns, yes. Pegasus Pegas-
0: <laughs> They're very well animated. Everything is well animated. I'll give you that. Say.
1: The animation yeah. is very good on the game. Very nice. It's
0: loads of detail in the
1: graphics. Well, yeah, it's sort of laid to hardware. You expect that, I think. Mm. So on this level, you're you're sort of running around on your on your horse, shooting bad guys off. Later on, you get um, a, a train will fly by you with more bad guys. You can shoot and get the stars and all that sort of stuff. And there's one part in it where a wagon is in front of you, like an old-fashioned wagon. And if you don't shoot their wheels off quickly, they'll lob like logs at you. You've got to jump over, and you press jump with your horse, and your horse will do a jump. And you can also, when you pull down, you sort of cower down behind your horse to miss bullets. So it's fairly simple getting to the bad guy at the end of this. And that's when I sort of got stuck, because the bad guy on that is annoying as heck. When you get to the end of the level, it stops again. Same sort of thing as the first level boss. Uh, You get minions, not the little yellow guys, mm. but cowboy minions, and once you've shot them off, um, the guy, he basically darts behind three lots of barrels, some sort of barricades, and he hides behind them. you just got to shoot him as he's stood still, But he hops about a lot. And yeah. I got killed in this level and didn't bother after that. You didn't get past this? No. Nope. Really hated it, so, you know, mm. didn't bother. But You get him with diagonal shots, yeah, yeah, I sort of realised how to do it, but I just couldn't be on to go for it. Anyway, <laughs> after that one, it, when you shoot him off quick, uh, as you say, I, I watched it being done. It looks fairly simple to do, but looking simple and actually doing it, totally different things sometimes.
0: He says, he says draw, Pilgrim. Draw, Pilgrim. And so, then you shoot him and go,
3: you got me.
1: After this, there's actually a bonus level. Uh, You've yes. got to shoot the bad guys as they pop out by pressing the appropriate position on the joystick, up, down, left, right in the diagonals, and pressing fire. It's like a sort of cowboy version of Whack-A-Mole, isn't it? Mm, I quite like this bit. I found it... Uh, did I get to it? I don't think I... I did get to it once. I must have got that guy because I got mm. to this level. And they get really fast, don't they? Did you yeah. manage to actually kill them all off and get the 30,000 bonus?
0: No, I've never done it. I've got 48 out of the 50 guys.
1: Oh, well done. I, got, I think I got 40. I only played it mm. once. I only did that bit once. But I think if you memorise the patterns, you can get all 50, because I watched a guy doing it easily on YouTube.
0: Yeah, they they pop up at exactly the same positions every time. There's nothing Ah. random about it. Okay. But I couldn't remember where they came when it got faster, so.
1: Yeah, did the bonus level. Level three. Next off is another walking left to right level. Same as level one. Jump up and down the levels and walk into saloons to get kisses. mm -mm, And bonuses from the dancing girls. One of them has a really wobbly hand when you when you come out and she's waving at you. Have you seen that? It's disturbing. <laughs> she's, got hand, a, yeah. she's got a rubber hand. <laughs> it's <a> really <laughs> odd animation. It's really <laughs> odd. Go back and have a look at it.
0: Oh, do you know all the characters have different animations when they
1: come out of the bars? Yes, they do. One of them drinks from the bottle and smashes it on his head. other one throws it, and the one spits out.
0: the takes a swig and spits it out. Yeah. Also, I tell you what is on one of the levels. There's a little poster, like a wanted poster, in the back in the background, and it's one of the turtles. Oh, really? Very, a very tiny, yeah, Leonardo or someone. I like it when they do little callbacks that, to different like, games. Yeah, but I think at this time turtles were massive, weren't they? So they mm. put a little turtle in. Okay. Cool. It's loads of little details in this game, in the backgrounds and absolutely, everyone, yeah. But there's
1: a lot going on, so you don't really notice them so much. Uh, you avoid fire on the ground because sometimes they break a lot of like, like um, petrol bombs, and you get fire on the ground. Yep. And you can jump up to an overhead rope and shimmy along it. When you holster your six-shooters, when you get to the end of the level, you know you're coming to a boss because he'll sort of put his guns away for a second and then you get like an animation of the boss or whatever and he usually says something from speech. On this one, the the guy's called Dark Horse. The boss is on a horse flying about the place. You must jump up to the high level on the house and keep shooting the bad guys in the window and the boss on horseback. The video I watched on this showed what looked like a very simple pattern to follow but I couldn't be asked to get that far, I'll be honest with you. And after the horse gallops off with the dead guy, a lady flies out of the saloon you've been jumping about and complaining about some bad men. Your guy basically gives them an, all right, ma'am, I'll sort it out, and heads off into Don't the saloon. Don't
0: worry about it, ma'am. Don't yeah. worry about it, ma'am. And she says,
1: she says, are you ready for this?
0: Oh, I'm in a terrible mess. Please help.
1: Well done. Been <laughs> <laughs> practicing that. I'm so leaving that in. <laughs> okay, level four. Yeah. This is just a double boss fight in a saloon. It's just a simple boss fight. Yeah, There are two guys from left and right lobbing bombs about the place from left and right and you can jump up on a swinging chandelier to get to fire at them as an obvious pattern here from the video I watched. Did you get that far?
0: Yeah, I did this. Kill and- the guys off? Yeah, the the thing that kept killing me, and actually it happens quite a lot, instead of jumping down off of stuff, you sometimes do another leap and land on top of stuff. Oh, okay. So when I was swinging on the chandelier, instead of jumping back down off it, I'd leap on top of the chandelier where there was fire and yeah, I'd die.
1: I noticed on the first level, when I was trying to slide myself out the way of some of the minions firing at me, instead of pressing down and jump, I obviously pressed the jump slightly before down, and I was jumping yeah. up and getting hit by the bullets. That was a bit of a pain, that. Yeah, that's
0: that's one of the things that is a bit of a pain in this, yeah. Mm.
1: Then, there's an intermission. You get three showgirls doing a really, really odd dance. It's not like the yes. can-can. It's really weird. And they give you the message about the main bad guy, Mr. Richard Rose, who has a large <laughs> bounty on his head. No chocolate bar-based puns there from you, mister. Yes, okay. In the UK... For any overseas listeners who don't have it in their country, there is a chocolate bar called a bounty, and the dark chocolate ones are nicer. No, no, don't say it. The blue ones, the milk chocolate ones, aren't as good as the dark chocolate. I'm not having it. No. Okay. As you tell. And he has three sidekicks with him. Yes. So, you know, there's going to be a load of bosses at the end. Level five is a big, big bad guy's level. Richard Rose. Richard Rose, the main man with his three badly stereotyped sidekicks. Right, here we go. El Greco, Mexican. Chief Scalpum, Native American. And for the purposes of this game, an Injun. Yeah. And Paco Loco, Spanish, maybe? Properly cheesy bad, this. It's Mm. all cheesy. I
0: I, I love it. I love Mm. love all all the silly speech and the cheesiness. I love
1: it. I'm not. This this sort of mid nine, well, early 90s game doesn't do it for me, mate. I really don't like it. So these guys have big prices on their head. $50,000, 70000 a 100000 on their Heeds when you get Yeah, it. yeah. So run along a moving cargo train killing bad dudes and get to the Mexican guy, the first of the three before the main guy. He has a metal shield and a massive pink whip. And I don't mean Strawberry Angel Delight there. <laughs> no. I like a bit of pink whip, me. This guy
0: I've found extremely difficult to beat. Mm-hmm. I think uh, what I do now, I know you may think this is cheating, but I get I save state it. Yeah. I get to a certain point in main, save it, and then just practice and practice until I can beat this guy. And I could beat him during the save during that point. Yeah. But by the time I'd gone back and then gone all the way through the game and got to this guy, I think I only beat him two or three times. And that was with maximum bullet power all right. to get to get through the next level. Because it, you get a big bonus for killing him. Then you get the bonus whack-a-mole level. So you get another bonus yes. for that. So your level le- your score leaps up by like 60,000 points. Yeah, massive bonus. dollars, mean. sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just for killing him, really. But he, I found him extremely
1: difficult to beat, this guy. I call him Obama pounds, not dollars. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you watch a YouTube video of it, the guy who does it in the YouTube, which I, I've posted on the, the notes on the, sh- the uh, web page he does it easily. There must be an obvious pattern, and he knows the pattern down pat. Yeah,
0: I have tried that, and in the end, I just keep leaping and leaping out of the way and just chip away at him until he's finally
1: dead. Yeah, watching and doing totally different things in games, aren't Mm. they? They are. So, next part is Mr. Scalpum, Chief Scalpum View. The level differs slightly as the screen scrolls up and left and right, I notice. So it is a little bit different here, which I was quite pleased to see, rather than just the left to right rubbish. And the enemies are red engines. And I'm not being politically incorrect. These guys really are bright red. They're yeah. really red. I've never seen anyone that colour in my life. So what's wrong with Konami's colour palettes? It just doesn't seem right. They've really just bizarre. made it a bit
0: funkier, haven't they? Just a bit, yeah, or a bit bad,
1: different. I think you find. Yeah. Do
0: you know, on, on this level, right... Mm-hmm. I think it's a bug. You can actually fall off. As as the screen's scrolling up and yeah. you're walking up the trail, yeah. you can fall off without oh. without pressing jump or anything. And I've lost a few lives doing that. Oh, really? And I don't know if you're supposed to be hugging the side of the track or, or what.
1: Mm. Very very weird. I'm not surprised there's bug in the game. I hate it. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's a cable car on this level which reminds me of one of the levels in Streets of Rage. Right. And... You've got to jump on and off to get onto these level, or these ledges, these rocky ledges, and there's some bonus items, and there's Extra Life on there. Yeah. Which I think is the only one in the game I've seen. Me too, an actual yeah. An actual icon of an Extra Life, little cowboy guy, and you can get that. Yeah. And then you come to the next box, Chiefy. He dances around all over the shop, lobbing four knives at you at a time. And when you eventually yeah. defeat him, a young woman runs out, and begs you not to shoot the annoying chief, as her br- it's her brother, and he was only following orders. Do you know what she says?
0: Please, please, don't shoot my brother. He's only following orders.
1: <laughs> Indeed, she does. Uh, there's another boring horse level again, until you get to a blockade with a really badly drawn pink blobby guy. Yeah, he's a bit weird. Just keep shooting at him and avoid his slow bullets. When he kicks the bucket, he says the crappiest sample I've ever heard in a video game. And here it is.
2: Astala, bye bye.
1: The last level, and Richard Rose, has somehow become Sir Richard Rose. He has. Seems like being a ni- an outlaw can get you a knighthood. A walk-along level again where you do as much as before, until you get to a dude firing at you with a Gatling gun, firing orange and purple Smarties out of it. <laughs> quickly get this guy and you can have a go on the smarty Gatling gun pew 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 yeah that's good that way you jump on a water wheel to propel yourself upwards and the level does a bit of multi scrolling again another Gatling gun bit again to gain access to a huge door in your way this is the big bad guy and guess what nationality he is yep all bad guys are English yes ridiculously English chucking roses around all over the place jeesh loads of bullets flying around but essentially the first level again he hides behind some stone statues this time and after a while jumps down to your level and you've got to jump about a bit yourself and shoot him quick and when you Mm. think you've shot him to death he pulls out a bit of armour from his shirt and laughs at you the sneaky get ah yes a load more flying bullets happens and then you do kill him off with a cheesy dramatic rose flies across the screen followed by hopefully the last bit of cheesy speech I say bit of bad luck Yeah. You then get a, quite a nice animation of the four players riding off, but on pink, purple, and red horses. I just don't get the rainbow horses. <laughs> the four riders do then ride off into the distance, game over. And that is a really nice little film at the end, I think. I quite like that bit.
0: Yeah, the bit at the beginning, the the a track screen's good as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a really nice animation, a little video, sort of in 8-bit type graphics. Quite it's good. like the
0: start to a Spaghetti Western kind of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, which I quite quite enjoy that cheesy cowboy yeah, yeah. Type
0: i thing. i think it's all done deliberately that all of it i do
1: yeah but the actual game bit mm, not for me I, I quite like it i do like it i noticed you liked it i absolutely abhorred it <laughs> I hated this game the passion. <laughs> it, oh, anyway before we get on to our opinions i think i think people have probably yes. got my opinions already secrets and play tips did you find any yeah, if you stay in one
0: place for too long, you get this little flashing arrow that says hurry. Guess who so, comes? Yeah, so you, you ignore it, and then it flashes again, and then, it, then there's a big arrow that says hurry. Yeah,
1: just, it means get on with it, because who's hey, coming? Hate
2: beak. Hate beak. <laughs>
1: ah, 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 he comes and, and kills you to death. It's a, it kills you to death. Mm. Properly dead. It's like yeah. a big sort of um, beak of hate, <laughs> basically. I can't, even, I can't even say how much beaky hateness it's got. Anyway, it kills you. It's it just goes to back up my thing that birds are always horrible in games and bats you said bats and bats as well. and bees covered in bees bees shiny bees try not to shoot the bonus sacks before going into a door as by the time you come out they've gone yeah you can do this very easily by mistake mm. you're going into a saloon door you shoot up
0: and up and right yeah. and you and you shoot a, a sack that is either bonus money or a power up yeah. Then you go into the, the animation starts when you go into a saloon, you come out, you, you have a nice time yeah. with a lovely lady. Kissy, kissy, kissy. And, kissy. and the, the power-up's gone.
1: Yeah. Another thing I, t- I found as well is sometimes you see um, swinging sacks mm. or the barrels that the bad guy's hide bomb. When you shoot them, they fall and bloody land on you. I didn't realise that and squash you and kill you. Yeah, that's
0: dead easy. Really... You just shoot, you're shooting before you get there. Yeah,
1: but the first time I noticed it, I was right under it. It squashed me. I thought, oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> so the graphics, I've got to admit, I like the animated video at the start and the end bit, but the colour palette is just a bit too garish. It's very colourful, but sometimes in the wrong way. And I do not like the art style at all to this game. I do not like it. No, oh. I think it reminds me of Turtles too much. And the sound effects, huge sprites, really, is not there? Yeah, there is a lot, a lot going on in the game. And I mean, can you imagine playing this game with four players? I think it would be because you've only got the bottom level and the middle level to jump up and down to, and you are just going left and right. I think you'd be like climbing on top of each other all the time. I think it'd be just too busy playing four players at once. And there must be a lot going on. You must have a lot more bad guys, because I mean, if there is four of you firing so many bullets, you just whiz through the game. It'd be easy, wouldn't it? Mm. So I'm not sure how that would work. I think four-players would be just messy, I reckon.
0: Yeah, it could be. there's, there's yeah. a
1: two-player version of the game and a four-player, different cabinets. Mm. Yeah. And the sound effects, the music is top-notch. Top-notch sort of banjos and, and really sets the scene for a cowboy game. I, I really, really like the music, but...
0: There's a lot of excellent music, yeah.
1: And the speech is too cheesy for me and annoying. And... Mm. The noise that the ah uh, the, uh, the guys make when you shoot them is all the time, and it's exactly the same death noise for every single person you kill on the game, apart from the bosses. I would change that. Yeah, it's really annoying, that. isn't it? It's uh, ah yeah. ah uh, uh, every two seconds, and it's really it really grates on your nerves after a while. Um, but the gameplay for me is just too linear you know you just mm. go along you shoot this you shoot that you shoot the boss next level you go on a horse you shoot this you... there's no sort of going your own way and waiting for a bit and waiting for some bad guys and killing. there's no patterns as such to think to speak of and for me do not yes. take this lightly listeners this game is worse than teenage mutant ninja turtles and everyone who listens to this podcast knows how much i hate ninja turtles
0: <laughs> konami i hope you're listening I disagree, you see. I think it's, it's great graphics, great theme, really good gameplay. I like the gameplay. I think the guys are good to handle. They jump well, they slide well. The horseback riding's fun. I really do like it.
1: But, of course, you're wrong. You're right. This is some Another
0: one we're going to have to disagree on. I'll tell you
1: what, though. There's one improvement they should have done in this game not made it at all, and made Iron Horse 2. I I, I dare you to disagree with me, because I know we both love Iron Horse. I would say it's as good as Iron Horse. Oh, get out of my podcast, young man. No chance. (laughs) (laughs) Iron Horse is brilliant, and this is pap.
0: We're going to have to revisit Iron Horse, I think. Should we do a podcast where we revisit old games?
1: We could do, actually. Maybe a Christmas special, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's an idea, actually, yeah. So you've run on a note notes more opportunities for bonus scoring in levels. Tell me about that.
0: Right, the the blah blah. The vast majority of points you get at the are at the end of each level, where you get the bonus money for killing the bad guys. Yeah. You get very little points in level. Really, you could get say that. yeah yeah eight to ten thousand in level. Not a lot. No, no. And yeah. then at the end of the level, you can get fifty thousand in one hit by killing the bad guy. I think they should balance it more or, or give you sort of more chances for, like, if you kill three guys quickly, you get more bonus or...
1: Yeah, multipliers, maybe. Yeah, stuff like that, yeah. Also, I and, think if you kill the bad guys off quickly, you should get a bonus as well, an extra bonus mm, for killing them off quick.
0: Yeah, and I, I kill them very quickly because there's nothing random about the game. They Everybody you know, comes exactly the same position. So the horseback level, the second level, mm-hmm. I can do it almost blindfolded, you know, because yeah. you can run to the right, then run to the left, then shoot up and then shoot down. And yeah. then when you shoot the wagon, uh, the the wagon wheel off the wagon, yeah, there, there's there's a, an extended piece where nothing happens because I think it expects you to take a while shooting the wagon.
1: Yeah, I noticed that. It seemed a bit of a lull in the game, didn't it? When Because you, yeah, you're supposed uh, to jump over a few a few of the the, um, the rolling logs. logs they throw at you, and you shoot the guys, and eventually it goes away. But if you shoot the wagon wheels, it disappears, yeah. and there's nothing for a few seconds when it does it.
0: If you shoot it straight
1: away before you yeah, can yeah. shoot you can, it, it's
0: almost equip, can't you? Mm. And then you've, you've got maybe, I bet it's like 10 seconds with nothing happening, and then this the, uh, the steam train comes on the screen, and that's, that's when right. the action starts
1: again. Mm. You know you mentioned wagon wheels? Yeah. Biscuit or non-biscuit? Ooh, um, a wagon wheel. While you're thinking about that, let me explain to you listeners who may not know what a wagon wheel is. A wagon wheel is a sort of biscuity cake thing. Came in individual wrappers. We're back to biscuits again. Uh, it was like a mallow in the middle, like a foamy miller with a, with a bit of jam betwixt two biscuits covered in milk chocolate. And they were an excellent sandwich box for your kids' school. I'd say a biscuit. Yep, wagon wheels, Gorgeous. Mm. We like them. And when I was a kid, they were the size of wagon wheels. Rolling,
0: rolling, rolling. Wagon wheels keep
1: rolling. They're minuscule yeah. now. They're the size of a pea now.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. It could just be because we're getting, when you were little, you had smaller
1: hands. That's true. Tony that. hands. Tony like, hands. <laughs> cabinet art. I didn't think, because this is a later in time game, got a cabinet, I was wrong. Mm. This has a monstrous four player thing with a nasty control box, so I don't even like the cabinet either um It's rather like the Hall of Shame main cabinets that some people make if you look on if you google uh Hall of Shame arcade cabinets, you can see some monstrosities people have made, and these control panels are like aircraft carrier landing pads they're massive yeah. and this thing has got it and it's like all other four player cabinets I've seen apart from the u k and European Ninja Turtles horror cabinet, which I hate. And obviously Gauntlet, which is a four-player cabinet, which is quite a nice cabinet. And the Japanese flyer of this game is way better than the uh, American one, I think, which I've put on the show notes for everyone to compare. bit more
0: stylish, but they're both alright. They're both okay.
1: But as I said, four players at once, I think it could just get too crowded, this game. It could do. I didn't think of that. I think two players, you can help each other out a bit. But four Mm. players would just be a mess, I reckon. But there's a lot of love for this game. I mean, people really like it. And I, I when I gave, went into it, I'd never really played it before. I thought, oh, this is going to be a good game because people love it. I couldn't disagree more, honestly.
0: There's a, if we put this YouTube link from the guy, I can't remember his name. Oh, what was his name?
1: Dave. Dave YouTube, his name is, I reckon.
0: A, 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 a YouTube Sunset Riders, and this guy had just done a review of it and it's a really good review he loves it so -hmm. obviously i like the review but yeah we'll put that on because that that mentions like everything we've forgotten (laughs) so it's very good
1: can i overdub the youtube video of me going no 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 No. all the way through it get get off off my lawn get off my lawn you i did tell you what um there was some there wasn't really a spin-off or a sequel to this but there was lots and there was two ports one for the mega drive and one for the snes which is very timely, about the time. 16-bit graphics could just about do it. I, think, I don't think an 8-bit system would have done this. Yeah. They're supposed to be quite different as well. Oh, are they? Yeah, quite a bit different. I think the Mega Drive version is quite a bit different. The SNES version is more close to the, the arcade version. Right. I think the SNES one, they, they toned it down a little bit for the, the violence as well.
0: Oh, Chaotic Meltdown is the guy. That's what the guy's called.
1: What kind of a meltdown is he having? It's chaotic.
0: I don't think, I don't think that would be his real name.
1: You reckon, not Mr. Chaotic to you? <laughs> it might be Dave Meltdown. There was, there was a sort of um, spin off type sequel by the same company, Konami, and a four-player game, Wild West Cowboys of Mumesa, which, to me, looks a better game, I reckon. And you actually play a bunch of bulls in cowboy gear. And it does look, I like the animation style better to it, and I like the graphics.
0: I've not so, seen this. Have but a look. I've... It
1: looks quite fun.
0: I've heard the name. That rings Cowboys a bell. Cowboys and Moon Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> All right, then. yee <laughs> Anyway, on to the scoring. Yes. Tell us about the scores some of us and our Twitter friends got.
0: Right. Well, if you look on Twin Galaxies, the world record is only 22,920. Hey, eh? How does that work? So, I don't, yeah, there's no, there's no other score on there. So everyone that participated has got a Twin Galaxies world record. Apart from How me? about them pings? How about them pings? Oh, that, so, right, shall here I? we
1: go. What's yeah. And all that lot.
0: But if you look on the Eurocade site, A U R C A D, Orcade. This, Orcade. Is it Orcade?
1: Yeah, I think the Pi Factory guys do this. They use
4: Orcade. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that is like a collaborative site where people from arcades all over America, I mm-hmm. think it's mostly America, they post the scores onto this site.
1: Yes, good good sight, actually, very good.
0: So some guy there, Jamie Tibbets, and I've heard his name before. I've I heard remember. the name
1: before from Galloping Ghost. Maybe he's a regular there.
0: Yeah, he has got 302,120. Yeah. And by his score, you can almost tell where he got because the scores don't seem to change. I think he's beaten the guy after I couldn't beat, which is the Indian dancing on the sort of Stonehenge bit. Yeah. I think he's beaten him. Mm-hmm. And then died. I think that will give you about 300k.
1: Well, the video I posted from YouTube on our webpage, the guy completes the game, so he gets well over that. Right. So he must uh-huh. be the world record holder, I suppose. Unless they cheated, yeah. but I don't think he did. Right. So the score, I don't know what score you've got. What's, what's your score? I'm not going to submit one, mate. Because <laughs> I got about 40,000. I, I think, I, well, you can probably guess how much I got because I just about did the second boss, I think, once. Right. So oh, I really don't know. Norker, pa, pa and okay. double pa. So we have
0: Andrew Anderson with 64,870.
1: I know that name from somewhere. I think that's a pseudonym. Andrew, tell us who you are. Ah, uh,
0: okay. We have Paul Cunningham with 65,000. Mhm. We have Ian Cullen, last week's winner. Last no, last times winner, sorry. Mm-hmm. With seventy one thousand and thirty.
1: Yep. Not massive scores so far, are they?
0: No. We have madste.com. He's who's had a bit of a go. I don't think he likes it either. 109910 hmm and nine thousand nine hundred and ten. Mm-hmm. And we've got a got a new guy called Dan Smash. Hi Dan, how you doing? Hundred and fifty three thousand nine hundred and ten. And he he's started a channel called Dude Quest. Okay. And he's done a little a little YouTube video on Arcade Club. Cool. And I like it because I get a mention on it, so I like that. What about me? <laughs> I don't get a mention because I didn't like Sunset Riders. <laughs> yeah. So he's done well there, hundred fifty-three thousand. So in first place, should I give you one of fat, these? He's fat, baldy. With, With? two hundred thirty-three thousand nine hundred thirty, my score.
1: Well done. You have earned the right to be alone. <laughs> so I killed yeah. the whip guy, and I got to injun on
0: stones, and I couldn't kill him.
1: Okay. So, I just bowed out of that one because it was so bad. Overall thoughts, (laughs) probably the worst game I've come across so far. (laughs) Honestly, (sighs) worse for me than Team Uh Ninja Turtles, and I do not say that lightly. Far too linear, didn't find the lost in translation, Japanese cheesiness funny at all, really didn't like it. Really bad game on decent hardware.
0: Well... I completely disagree, Mr. Marland. Do you know you've in this game you've got it all? You've got booze, you've got booze. brothels, brothels and bullets.
1: <laughs> they're not brothels; they're dance halls. Politically correct dance so. halls with men he, and women dancing. Probably he come he comes out and his cheeks are all red. What's he been doing? Blowing balloons up, perhaps? Oh, yeah. Could be balloon blowing dance halls, <laughs> probably. <laughs>
0: Oh, dear. Yeah, so so I love it. Everyone, I
1: I hated it. It's the worst game I've played on the podcast. You quite liked it.
0: Yeah, excellent.
1: Okay. A good choice by me. Thank you. Let's move on. You are not allowed to choose ever again. (laughs) Anyway, we should do now some art of side art. What game can you see on your notes in front of you, old son? It's a wizard. A wizard of a wizard of who? Wizard of War. Not a Wizard W-A-R. Of W-O-R. war. A Wizard of Why? Yes. Wizard of War. Uh yes. I was prompted t- to do this because I was playing the the smaller version at Eurocade. Uh, yes. someone brought a cabaret machine in, and the cabaret machine is beautiful. It's a little machine. Nice. But there's no side art, it's just a wood grain side. But the full upright, which I have in front of me here, it's also in the show notes, is absolutely lovely. It is. It's a white cabinet, full size, and it's only got half-size artwork on the side, but it's got a really cool, the actual Wizard of War in the game. is like a cloaked, demony type thing. And the font across the marquee and the side art is awesome. It's sort of a yellow and red Wizard of War, and sort of spiky writing, sort of portcullis type Writing, if you know what I mean, and the Wizard of War is like shooting out with his with his hand, and he's looking all evil. And there's some uh, there's some sort of rocks in the background, and the control panel is like an aluminium control panel with some like screen printed bits on it. And the weird yeah. thing about this, not many games have this. The one player plays on the right hand side, and the number two player plays on the left hand side. It's just oh, yeah. a little red joystick and one button. And it's also underneath the control. There's a little bit of art, just black and white art, above the coin door with sort of a little scene on it in black and white. It's a really nice cabinet. And on this cabinet we've got, there's got a lot of screen burn on there because it's sort of <clears> um, a maze game. And the maze doesn't really change, so it would have a lot of screen burn. But I really like that cabinet. Really like it. Different because it's a white-sided one.
0: Yeah. Do you know I had... The Wizard of War flyer, um, when I had a games room way back, mm-hmm. I used to have the Wizard of War flyer on my wall oh, for right. absolutely years because I loved the, the actual flyer, which is just really a representation of that side art. Yeah. And I must have had it on the wall for five years, along with the Galaxian one because I love the Galaxian flyer. Yeah, the well. insects
1: are awesome. Yeah, yeah really, really yeah. like that cabinet. Really nice, that one. Really good. Okay, let's do your bit. Releases from this month in history. Hmm.
0: Right, September two thousand Beat Mania two DX fourth style.
1: Not a third style.
0: No, this is the fourth style, which is completely different, oh, maybe. I bet it is. We're getting into the rhythm game era now, aren't we? Which really we're still in. They're still popular. Yeah. And this this one this one is almost like a piano key thing. You have to press the piano keys in oh, right. the Oh right, it's not sequence.
1: it's not a jump on the things on the floor game
0: actually i don't know i've only seen the youtube it might maybe yeah okay. you may have
1: to jump on the floor it's
0: a beat mania game so somebody somebody will know what the beat mania games are aren't yeah, they
1: the bermani games there's ones with drums there's one with keyboards there's ones with spinning dj decks you've got all sorts of things and some of them mm. are quite fun i do i do i do quite like some beat games you know they do wear me out though because i'm getting mm. a bit older my dancing days are over i think mate that was a fun one at heart of gaming wasn't there Yes. It was a huge thing, huge thing. That was got, really good fun. They've got quite a, f- a following there. Actually, it gets a lot of people playing that game because they have got one of the new, the more modern ones, and there is a large yeah. following. And it, it does actually keep you fit. Mm. I think. I think Mark at the heart of the game. He lost about two stone from playing that over a few months. Wow! Yeah, he did.
0: September 1990. We're going way, way back. How like far 50- back? 25 years. Well done. Just work that out, work that out in, me, in me head. Super Pang. Sequel to Pang. 1990 by Mitchell Corporation. Indeed. What else did they do, Mitchell? I don't think they did anything
1: else, did they? I can't think of any of the games. I always think of what's... Pang when I think of Mitchell Corp. And what's it's released by, released by Capcom. Yeah. Maybe the they're just some developers. Up. We shall look for next time, listeners.
0: Yes. September 1980. A cult classic at a right... Cool. The the reputation of this game, I think, is actually cooler than the game. Star Castle, Cinematronics.
1: I had a quick go of that mm. on my Vectrex when I was testing my Vectrex controller out. Yep, it's quite a good little game. Is
0: it homebrew? Must have been homebrew. Or did they release
1: it? I'm not sure. I will look next time. But it's a pretty good version of it.
0: And going back to September 1970, 45 years ago, beyond my time. I was. Ten months old in September 1970. Wow. <laughs> Scuba electronic pinball by Gottlieb.
1: Oh okay. I actually An looked EM at this. Pinball. I looked at this. It's mm. on the IPDB.org um, website. Loads of beautiful pinballs on there, and I looked at it, and it's it's not much of a game to it. It's only got flippers, some side bumpers, a few pop thingy, twingy, twangy bits at the top, and obviously it's electromechanical. But it looks really nice. I like the mm. art, so it's sort of like hand-painted art on it. It's a really good-looking cabinet.
0: I, I like these old EM games. I talked to Dave Otto about it this afternoon. These old EM pinballs, I think they're really good. Something simple and like fresh about them.
1: I think they're too mm. simple for most modern pinball players because you can if you can find one of those cabinets, they're not a lot of money to buy. A few hundred pounds, a lot of them. Right. They're not really wanted right. anymore. I think my favourite pinballs, and I don't play a lot of them because I'm not very good at them, and I don't know a lot about them, but my pinballs are sort of the digital ones. you sort of the Williams 80s era, the solid state ones.
0: I like them as well. Yeah. I like the yeah. themes
1: on those as well. Some of the themes are amazing. Yeah. Mm. You know what my favourite one is? The favourite name? Go on. Farpar. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right then. Yeah. And that's it. Yes. Shall we wrap this up? Yes. Now, before I play out the uh, interview I did with the Griffin Aerotech guys, the Skycursor people. Uh, yeah. We've got to choose next time's game in two weeks' time. And it's my pick. And I have
0: no idea what it is. You haven't told me. It's old and it's yeah.
1: obscure, and I have mentioned it before. That almost rhymes. Uncle Pooh.
0: Unc- oh, my God. What <laughs> Uncle it? Pooh.
1: It's a really odd little game. It's a little bit of toilet humour. Don't be offended. It's not that bad. And yeah. it is a fun little maze game. Old and obscure, and has
0: poop in it. I'm already thinking of the podcast graphic.
1: <laughs> I bet you are. This week's I one. This week's fun. one is idiot genius. I have to say you've, you've excelled yourself this time. <laughs> so that's the game, people. I will post details of how you can play it, and you know what settings we're using and stuff on the website. Please have a look. And in two weeks' time, after that is another listener pick, and it's going to be Ian Cullen. And mm. he's choosing, it says here, Mr. Dew's Castle. If I'm not allowed to do that, then I'll take Tutankham from the list on the website. What do you reckon, Mr. Dew's Castle or Tutankham? Tutankham, Tutankham, Tutankham. Tutankham. Yeah, Tutankham. I, would say, I would say Tutankham. Don't, yeah, don't I would... be swayed by me, Sean. What do you reckon, Tutankham, Tutankham, Tutankham? No, Tutankham. I do, yeah,
0: because wasn't it at Nerg and we liked it? Yes,
1: it was indeed. Yes,
0: yes, yes. Okay,
1: yes. so next time, people, play Uncle Pooh. And if you want to get a bit of practice in early, We'll be doing Toot and Come after that. Excellent. And before we
0: go, can I just say, my go fantasy cabinet. I'm going to get rid of Cuba, poor <gasps> Cuba, for a bit. and Only temporary. The
1: poor Cuba, uh, he's orange and lovely.
0: And I'm putting asteroids in because I am in love with them. You're
1: reeking to yeah. them pointy rocks at you, lad.
0: <laughs> I love shooting pointy How rocks. How
1: many pointy rocks? <laughs> okay, I've amended the website already. Thanks for listening. Don't go away yet, people, because we have the interview with the Skycursor guys in a second thanks for listening and goodbye from me yes thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time here's the interview enjoy this is the 10 pence arcade interview and i have the sky Cursor team known as griffin aerotech and who do we have huddled around the mic at your end guys phil globish and i'm the producer on the game
5: and i'm brad smith i'm the technical director on the game and uh chris cruz i am the art director on the game
1: excellent so, we've talked before, um, I think I talked to Chris and Phil before, Brad was away, it's nice to have Brad with us as well.
3: Yeah guys, good to be here today.
1: And this is a bit of a follow-up interview, because you guys have been um, busy scribbling away and programming away and doing what you do to make the game better, um, and I believe you have two complete levels of Sky Cursor now, is that, is that right?
5: That is correct, yeah, we, uh, we've been working really hard, I think... One of the things, you know, that it may sound, well, two levels, that's that's not much, but there's so much uh, in the background that has to happen in order to get sort of the the primary game mechanics in a state that feels the way that we want it to. And we've done a lot of work um, on the back end to refine even the hitbox box detection, and we've added uh, super moves, and we've added, you know, lots of new monsters, uh, new weapons, new attacks. So there's lots of fun. You know, work that's gone that it's going to make the next levels easier. And even Brad, I think you could probably speak to a little bit of on the programming side how you've kind of done some of the, the back end work to make the process of adding new levels and stuff a little easier.
3: Yeah. So um, for level two, we've taken some time and uh, gone back and uh, first off modified a few things that we had going in level one. Uh, as is the case with any developer, there's going to be some either technical debt pay down, which means you got to go back and and, uh, tighten up some of the code that you had previously, or uh, there's also just going to be some general refactoring of the code in order to um, make it more flexible and more extendable uh, as you move forward. Uh, For instance, we uh, basically did that with the backgrounds, so uh, we have a a pretty easy uh, drop-in for adding backgrounds for future levels. And, uh, we also added, uh, slash created our own custom timeline for, uh, the enemies, which is a little bit different. I'm sure we've already explained in the past. We're using game maker and game maker has timelines by default, but, uh, we saw some benefit, uh, specifically things like conditionals, uh, that we could use in order to, um, you know, make certain things happen within a timeline at certain points in time. So hmm. uh, we just kind of extended the functionality a little bit there of, of Game Maker, but yeah, we had to go in and, and um, you know tighten some things up and uh, also set us up for future levels. And
6: then if I just add a little, small little piece that most people probably won't ever see, uh, in addition to the stuff that Brad's talking about, SkyCursor now has a complete op menu so arcade operators they get to choose how many quarters it takes in order to get a new a new another credit there's um you know a joke about uh the amount of gore that's going to be in the game (laughs) (laughs) there's maximum uh, yeah Yeah. i think there's screen test all the things that an operator would would expect to see inside a menu designed for them Hmm. um you know, we had a whole development cycle that was just based around making something really nice for arcade operators. Excellent. Phil, forever
1: and the I, businessman.
5: Probably the most, I mean, I've seen, as you can imagine, Victor, as you have too, a lot of ops menus, yep. and I think we have probably some of the most sophisticated analytics in terms of understanding playtime and, you know, plays oh,
2: right, per yeah.
5: things like that too, so Uh, one of the great things about that is that's transferable for all uh, games that are released on our Airframe hardware, which is another huge part of where our time has gone, is developing um, the prototype and then actually the builds of uh, the Airframe hardware, which is, that's the name that we're going with, that's the name that we've kind of locked into. We actually have a logo design uh, that's being finalized right now, but that is, that is sort of our answer to the Neo Geo MVS, if you will. Cool. Um, it's a very simplified, streamlined uh, piece of hardware that allows for, uh, hopefully, other indie dev- devs and definitely the Griffin Aerotech team to condi- continue to develop for uh, arcade uh, hardware um, in a way that's really streamlined and simple. So that's a big, big part of where some of our time's been going as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... But, you know, our, our primary focus is definitely creating, you know, the best, most fun game we possibly can. But there's been a lot a lot of things that have gone into making that a reality.
1: Mm. I suppose uh, in my tiny mind of, of programming, once you have the template sorted, which you're, you're sort of bit more working on than the levels, the levels will come a bit easier afterwards because they're more creative, aren't they? Once you've got the programming nailed down it should be fairly simple to transfer the levels into the game is that how it works
3: yeah that's right i i think probably the biggest piece of all of this was getting those timelines in place and and literally for us it's just a hey we want this enemy here we want it to come in at this position mm-hmm. it should do this particular thing when it comes in or this group of enemies when they come in and the timelines really helped us uh, square that away. The backgrounds are there. Yeah, we we are able to do those fairly easy. Mm -hmm. But um, I'd like to back up just one second and talk about the ops menu because (laughs) because the ops menu we spent a lot of time on. um, And I, I say, you know, that's probably the biggest reason we find ourselves at the end of level two and not at the end of level three or four right now. Right. Because we spent a lot of time on that ops menu. And that's quite honestly might as well be like creating an entirely new stage um, all right. just the amount of work that went into it so it, it was good all around we all did some research and put our heads together on it
5: so yeah i mean and so for on the gamer side that may not be the most compelling thing in the world but yeah. if we do want to have this be a legitimate piece of arcade hardware which is obviously our goal it's essential right we, we had yeah. to get that done but i'll, I'll give a practical example of what Brad was talking about with the timelines and how uh, that sort of empowers me and the rest of the team is on the creative side. So we had Mission 2 in a state where you could play through the level, um, you know, the enemies were there, uh, sort of as a rough sketch. And what we did is we just played that, all to hell, you know, we, we sat down and played it and and we all played it separately. And then we came together and we actually posted this on our social media a little bit, Mm -hmm. but we came together and we, we played through the level and we talked through the changes that we'd like to see made. And we were able to make those changes within, you know, an hour. And I mean, drastic modifications to the way that the enemies came in, the amount of enemies and like the specific timing. And all of a sudden it was like, this is sky cursor, Right. Where it was before, it was sort of this rough sketch. Where it was like, okay, this is kind of feeling like what we want it to. And then we were able to sit down, play through it, have a you know really in depth conversation. We took a lot of notes, pen and paper even, and had this new stage. You know, and it felt like a new yeah. game because we we were able to so quickly make those changes. And then from there, then it's just minor tweaks, right? We 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 have the core feeling there, and then we're able to just say well, what if two helicopters came in instead of one? Or what if there was a five-second pause here instead of a three-second pause to give the player a little bit of breathing room? And one of the big things that we've kind of been coming around on is the importance of the supers in our game. So you have three meters right now uh, that are built as you use each of the three different weapons in the game. So you have to be conscious of using all three weapons in order to be collecting supers. Yeah. And the idea is that you're constantly looking to build those supers so that you can clear the screen in those situations where you absolutely have to. So that's one of the things that we've been thinking about a lot is how do we keep the game so flooded with enemies, but in such a way that's interesting, but but also compels the, the player to use the different weapons so that they they can be building those supers and then you know executing all... Because when you use supers in the game, I mean, it's just chaos, mm-hmm. huge hmm. clouds of blood because we've gone in and added so many details to particle effects. And when I say particle effects, they're all hand-drawn sprites, but like shrapnel that flies out, blood and gore that flies everywhere. All the mechanical objects have like destroyed states now to where they tumble and fly through the air, like, and they're all wrecked. And I haven't seen anything like that since like metal slug, really, in terms of the level of of detail and the care that we've been putting into like the destruction and the violence. So it's really cool to see those things coming to life and, happening on the screen
3: yeah but in in terms of the supers i think we do something a little bit unique uh, as compared to a lot of other shmups our goal really was to empower the player to be able to use supers as often as they can instead of having to bank the supers for that one point when they really really need it we still do that but we also uh, you know besides just using the weapons we wanted we wanted that general chaos and and uh, blood and gore with the meat help, but um, it's been it, it it was kind of like a light bulb moment for us where we could say, you know, what if we let the player use the supers as often as we possibly could, and and you know by killing enemies you build the supers, and so we just give the player a lot of enemies to kill. Yeah, you know?
5: so it just like kind of creates this really aggressive. Style it promotes like risk taking and, and aggression, which a lot of uh, I think shooters, um, especially more modern ones, mm. um, really kind of ask the player to be very, very cautious. Um, and there's a lot of that in our game. I mean, it's controlled chaos, right? But I think we really look to reward the player for being brave and making like really risky moves. Um, so it's we've kind of are kind of slowly driving a wedge, I think, between. Um, a lot of traditional shooters and, and Sky Cursor, um, because I, I feel like there's, there have been so many incredible shooters out there that we talked about this a little bit last time, but we don't really want to compete against those. We want to create something that feels fresh, but at, familiar at the same time.
1: Hmm. I think you guys, um, for a promotional item, need to have a, um, a, a T-shirt with a screenshot of Sky Cursor at the bottom, just put huge clouds of blood. that should be your your tagline I think
5: I I had a friend over last night he's actually a great designer he was working on a new uh, t-shirt for us and it's just like a huge like wall of text and it just says 100% arcade exclusive and then it has the the sky cursor logo really small on there because I think that's one of the things that it's like you know now that the game's getting a little bit more attention a lot of uh, younger gamers and and gamers who might not have access to you know an arcade they're, they're, they're asking for, you know, when is this going to be available on Steam or, or you know, yeah. PS Vita or PSP or whatever um, the new handhelds are. And it's hard because, I mean, I want everyone to be able to play the game, but we just set out right from the, the get-go is that we want to do this arcade thing. And I think we wouldn't be getting the attention that we are um, if it wasn't for that initial vision. Um, and, and I think the people who do understand that and who are, you know, hungry for new content for arcade um, are really, really eating that up and gravitating towards that. So we kind of wanted to give a little bit of wink, you know, to that audience as, yeah, we're, we're arcade exclusive like that. We're building this game for arcade machines and anything else will be an afterthought.
6: I like the, the clouds of blood idea, though. I think that's cool. It's like <laughs> an airplane up in the sky flying not through regular clouds made of water, but yeah. blood. <laughs> Just <Yeah>. blood clouds
1: <laughs> so you guys are saying about um about making the game a bit different from the, the original shooters from the past and and I sort of get that because you know when when the new shooters come out nowadays, like when the cave games come out, there's a different play mechanic. you've got to learn the game, and that is that sort of what you're trying to do? You know, have a bit of difference, different scoring mechanisms. I know you're doing that with your weapons, because um, I've been watching some of your videos, and it's the normal shooting, you know, the cannons from the ship or whatever, and I, I see the katana come out now and again. When you get closer, I mean, it's sort of, you swipe them away with sort of like a, a sword that comes out of the ship.
5: Yeah, yeah. Love I love that. I think one of the things, I'll, I'll say something, I think it's going to be a little controversial, but why not? Um, we were actually just last night, uh, Phil and I were playing... Um, akai katana which is a newer uh one of the more recent cave uh horizontal shooters fantastic game beautiful amazing mechanics very tightly refined but it has like almost like a feathery feel to it It, it's hard to describe it's like it's so pretty and and everything is like gem-like in terms of all the bullets and everything Mm -hmm. and i think we kind of were like this is amazing and this is gorgeous, but I have absolutely no desire to create something like this. Like, no. Sky Cursor is nasty, gnarly, bloody, <laughs> chaotic. Like, it, it, like again, it rewards, throw caution to the wind, you know, get in the face of the enemies. And one of the ways that we've made that a reality is by really promoting the use of the katana. Mm-hmm. So the Sky Cursor is sort of a ninja in the sky, right? It's It's this jet that has this giant katana strapped to its back that's controlled via robotic arm and the katana has the ability to deflect energy-based projectiles so a lot of the 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 aliens in the game the mutants in the game use like uh like plasma type bullets and when you see that when you see sort of the traditional like bright blue or bright pink type bullet the player should immediately know hey i can deflect that i can use my katana and knock it back in their faces and in some of the some of the bullets that we've actually introduced now are uh, honing bullets. They they follow the player, yeah. but they actually you hit them once and they go a little far away, but they come right back at you. So you have to Ooh. hit them again, and it's almost like you're playing volleyball yeah. with these bullets that that the enemies are are shooting back at you. And you know, I, I, having the ability to deflect uh, bullets is not wholly unique to Sky Cursor, but I think the promotion of Really like don't be afraid to get right up next to these enemies and use this close range weapon. Yeah, it's something that feels a little fresh and a little new. So that's that again. That's just another example of how and and sort of why we're we're going the approach that we are. I mean, again, you know, I have nothing but infinite respect for uh, those modern shooters, especially from Cave. But we we really wanted to do something that felt a little bit honestly more ingrained in, the, in what was happening in the 90s i think yeah just even the the graphic style has that you know Irem um slash nazca slash um you know some of the things that came out on some of the other things on neo geo it's it's more kind of ingrained in that style yeah and, and a lot of the gameplay is 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 feels more akin to that i think as well
3: yeah i wanted to underscore the projectiles though because uh, if you use the projectiles correctly, when you deflect them with the katana, they're almost like another weapon that's available to the player. And s- speaking of the homing one that Chris was just talking about, if you use it correctly, you can just kind of navigate around the screen and then deflect it to, you know, hit an enemy that's below you instead of in front of you. It oh. um, doesn't just, like, deflect straight back. It'll just It'll yeah. deflect in the direction that... Uh, it's coming at you. I mean, there are
6: points in level 2 where there are so many enemies on screen that you're like, oh man, this is going to be really difficult. <laughs> However, if you play enough and you start using these enemy projectiles against the enemies, it actually turns lo- like almost impossible situations into, oh, that wasn't that bad.
5: Yeah, yeah. yeah It's yeah, like,
6: yeah. oh my gosh, there's a, a semi-truck full of bad guys on top. The semi's doors have opened up and they're spewing out Hundreds of bad guys. There's bad guys already in the air coming at you, and there's helicopters. There's, there's <laughs> helicopters coming at you. But hey, don't worry. It'll be
5: okay. Pull what? out the katana blade yeah. and just slap these energy balls <laughs> right back at them. Yeah, you know, like you. I, I'm sure you've played some of the bullet curtain stuff, and you get yeah. you get that feeling of like, oh no, here's this huge curtain of bullets. What am I gonna do? I want people to be like, yes. yes. How dare they shoot a weapon at me? Right. Like yeah. that. That just gave me the. And yeah, so the way the deflection uses it is at whatever trajectory the the bullet happens to be traveling at that time that it's deflected, it will travel in the exact opposite yeah. trajectory. Oh. So what Brad was alluding to is with the homie missiles, you can sort of navigate your way around and get the feel for, okay, now it's below me and there's an enemy below me. I'm going to deflect it now so that it smashes into that enemy. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to describe, obviously, but it's one of those things that I think is uniquely Skycursor, like... I haven't felt that in another game, yeah. and it's like, wow! Like we may be onto something here that that people will really get a kick out of. Absolutely, uh, that
1: that is a a really good idea because it, it almost adds another play element, almost like a puzzle element. Definitely.
5: Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's that's really, I think you have to do things like that with the with the shooter, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, you have to have rock solid play mechanics, of course, and you know everybody appreciates cool cool sprite work, or everyone with the brain should. But uh, but at the same time, that may not be enough to make a game that's like worth playing multiple times, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we realize that there have been so many incredible shooters uh, that you know it's probably one of the most prolific genres out there. Yeah. And so we we really have been thinking, what can we do to stand out? Um, you know, and anyone who's going to purchase Sky Cursor, it's an investment, right? It's not like buying a game for a dollar on Steam. And so we want to make sure that we take this very, very seriously and we, we make it a rewarding experience. And so there's lots of gameplay p- features like that that, we, that you know, we've added or that are on the agenda to add mm-hmm. um, to make sure that it is an in-depth experience you know, and that there, there's a replay factor there as well. Yeah, you
1: mentioned using you want to use the super weapons in, in your game as well. Does that make the game a lot easier or do you, do you get so many per level or, or can you earn them?
5: Yeah, and that's really what it's about. Is you rather than going and collecting like a bomb, it, it's if you are playing in a way that you're not engaging the enemies. Like if you're playing sort of passive pacifistically, <laughs> um, you you won't be collecting supers because you only earn supers when you kill enemies with that particular weapon, right? Uh, okay. So you it it really it's it's be conscious of all the weapons you have use them at the appropriate time and the meters will be full. Now, there are some supers may not be useful in some circumstances. So there's also sort of an understanding of what supers will be use for, useful and when, right? Mm. So and different supers will have different um, impacts. So for example, this isn't implemented yet, but with the katana, one of its super attacks is that the sky cursor sort of tosses the katana out maybe 20 feet in front of it. Yeah. in front of the jet and it continues to spin like a saw blade in front of it and so as enemies come close to you there's sort of a meat grinder there that blocks that oh, one cool. section of the screen right yeah. so it's almost like a defensive weapon but then there's another super where you call in your co-pilot sammy who is in his mecca and mm-hmm. so sammy is a dog yeah. and he's your co-pilot and he's actually going to um you mentioned a little bit about learning the game. Yeah, Sammy's going to be uh, sort of always there to give you subtle reminders of, uh, hey, you may not be doing this thing that you should be at least conscious of, right? Like he's not going to tell you how to play the game,
1: uh, let's give you a few but hints. it's sort of, hard.
5: yeah, he gives you hints of just things to be aware of so that you don't totally miss out on opportunities. But cool. one of the things is he's going to also help you with his dog mecha, and hmm. he'll come out and attack as well, and that's just pure additional like. It's almost like having an option in R-Type, right? Yeah. So it's sort of different, different types of attacks for di- different circumstances. And it's the player that understands the capabilities of all their weapons and all their supers is going to be the player who excels in the game.
1: Mm. Um, we mentioned gore. I think everyone who's seen uh, Skycrestor knows there's a lot of gore in this game. But, and this is particularly uh, good for me, is it's not offensive gore. Because um, you see some of the more modern games now, like the third-person shooters and stuff, and they're basically um, they're almost like watching a war zone going on. And, and I mean, it's a pretty horrible thing if it was in real life. I know it's only a game, but the gore in Sky Cursor is sort of cartoony, and it's the kind of thing I think kids would like, and I don't think parents would be, you know, if a ten-year-old was, having am going to go at, at Sky Cursor, it wouldn't be, oh, you can't play that, it's too gory, Cause it, it's it's amusing gore. If you know what I me mean.
6: yeah like you know if we needed to come out with a a box or a retail box that just said all the enemies are filled with red paint yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that would get past the censors over here in America they're just like big paint balloons yeah so uh, yeah I, I no, you're absolutely right in the in the scheme of current violence and gore our you know, Sky Cursor is it's relatively fun. tame yeah, and yeah. comedic in a sense, but yeah. um,
3: but it's it's very satisfying. That's
5: what yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what, what I was gonna say. Yeah, go, go ahead, Brad. Yeah,
3: it's just there's this you know whole concept uh, in uh, game development and mechanics of the feedback loop. You know, the players hitting the joystick and they're pushing buttons, and what is the feedback that they're getting that tells them that this is really fun? I want to continue playing it and um man when you when you play this game it's just it like it's just feels right you know you're mm. you're blowing enemies up you're making uh, in the second level now you're you're making vehicles blow up and um, flip and
5: tumble through yeah, the flip, air
3: and 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 it is all that uh you know uh, sort of, uh, you know, they're they're mutants from outer space. It's not like uh, necessarily, you know, other humans or something like that. Where if this was like you said, real life, yeah. it would be, you know, quite crazy. But yeah, it it looks and feels really good when you're playing it.
5: Yeah, there- and I think that that's that's there's something to, you know, like. Shooting at enemies that just burst and pop, you know, that's a lot different than shooting at like a big metal ship that, that explodes, right? Yeah. And we have a little bit of both of those. And one of the things that we're always thinking about is even this, right down to the sound design, you know, there's this constant back and forth between the meat and the metal, right? Hmm. So certain, certain times and you're shooting at, you know, a, an object that has an infected part on it. And it's like, do I aim for the metal here or do I aim for the meat here? And they both feel very differently when you hit them with your weapons. They give you a different response in terms of the sound that you hear when you fire at them. And so it's like you want to give the player, like Brad was talking about, the feedback that says you're doing the right things at the right time or you're not doing the right thing at the right time so that they can almost uh, subconsciously understand, okay, I'm, I'm playing well or, oh, I need to maybe change up my style a little bit.
1: Hmm. That's interesting, very interesting i've seen some of the graphics so the new graphics with the. i think it's the second level where there's some um, there's some skeleton helicopters. I particularly like those ones
5: yeah it's it's funny because i i um i've been we we talked last time about how if a design is not stupid, then it doesn't make it into the game yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it has to be yeah. dumb simple like and, and, and i I know that sounds weird but I think a lot of uh develop a lot of game designers tend to want to over design things. Yeah. And it kind of loses some of its charm. Like I want the whole game to feel like it, it was designed by a thirteen year old. Hmm. You get and, this thing
1: called design creep where they keep adding things and not, you know, get away from the point.
5: Yeah. And you yeah. don't want to and be I, doing that. Yeah, and and like I I have a background in, in music and I have that problem like when I'm producing music, like I just add like oh I keep going keep going or keep refining and then all of a sudden it's like is this better or just different but
2: yeah.
5: but yeah it's, that's one of the things like okay what's this enemy it's a helicopter a that ha- or a helicopter <laughs> it's a helicopter that has uh the face of like a a wolf right but it's a skeleton and it's like that just those simple things I think they stick in your mind a little bit better maybe because they're just a couple of elements kind of combined but that design started out as something a lot different where there was like a dozen eyeballs on it. And I wasn't really thinking about what, what I wasn't referencing anything. And I was just kind of just going at it. And then I went back and redesigned it. And there was this really like funny serendipitous thing that happened where the skull, once you layered it over the top of the, um, the helicopter itself, the window just so happened to be right in the exact spot of where an eye would be. Cool. So it's like you get this feeling that it's like, the mutation has taken over the helicopter and it's like taking parts of it and turning it into, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of one big mutation. Right. Hmm. And that just happened by chance, but it's one of those things. like, okay, I think that's right. Right. We're going to leave that now.
1: Absolutely, helicopter uh, yeah, TM.
5: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one of the
3: things that we've done with level two as well, is we've done a little bit of foreshadowing with that. So uh, the question is when you're, when you're building these levels, how do you still tell the story of yeah. what you're trying to tell but also, have all this enjoyment for the player. And at the very beginning of level two, we see Skycursor fly past a bunch of uh, like emergency army helicopters that are trying to go towards the battle. And then all of a sudden, you get to certain points in the level, and these helicopters have been mutated by.
5: Oh,
1: yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah. yeah, cool.
5: yeah. and It's something that, you know, a, a player just say, oh, look, cool, a bunch of visual stuff on the screen, right? But like, we're thinking, like, how do we tell really little subtle stories? And w- one of the things I think that's sort of unique uh, in the background, the progression of the levels, is there's always sort of these transition points. So in the first level, you're flying over the clouds at, at dusk, and then there's a bunch of chunks of the Necrostar. So the Necrostar is this, this uh, infected star in space that actually, it's sort of a corruptor of worlds, right? Everything it touches, it, it, it infects, and that's what's coming down on the Earth. Cool. And, but there's chunks and pieces of it that fall off and they tumble down into earth and there's a section where you're dodging all these and then the, the, it gets a little too hectic so you dive below the clouds and then all of a sudden you're flying over a city mm-hmm. and you're flying over the city and then a boss shows up and you fly back over the clouds to try to get away and in the second mission you're flying you're flying really close to the road and then you go over a bridge and then you're in a dock area because that dock is foreshadowing that the next level actually takes place over the ocean. Oh, cool. So it's, it's sort of just like trying to tell, to keep it very simple, very pure, but try to sort of have visual storytelling happening in the game.
1: Mm. It's nice to know that it's going to be specific levels, like the road level, the ocean level, the space level, because people usually, when they're speaking about a game, they'll say, oh, you know, the the, the desert level or, or the, the ocean sure. level or whatever. It's good to have that, I think.
5: Yeah, and I, I think you're exactly right. Like, I, I think in all the games will make forever will be that way like oh this is the this is the ice level or this is the you know mm. the water level or whatever because it's i think it it's, goes. Just, it's so classic right yeah mm-hmm. you want that and uh and so yeah so um i could give you a little bit of a foreshadowing to the the other stages that are firmly planned and solid so Ooh, yes, mission three takes place over the ocean mm-hmm. so you're going to be seeing you know anything from like uh I the name's escaping me but the planes that can land in the water and then you'll also see boats and you'll see battleships you'll see like giant sea creatures Oh cool and then you fly up into a storm at the end of the level and I'll, I'll save the boss because I want to No no I no wanna... don't
1: give, give him something to think about <laughs> give him something to wonder about <laughs>
6: He hasn't
5: thought of it yet. It's all just ah. like, <laughs> <laughs> see the pants stuff. Yeah, but but it's but it's going to be really cool. So you imagine a, a huge boss fight in a thunderstorm. That's that's kind of what's happening. But, Excellent. And then the the next level um, will be actually you're fighting a giant infected train. Oh So right. you're flying over a railroad, right? And you're on the Trans Siberian Express, basically. And so you're in the mountains and the snow and and as you progress through the level you're seeing more and more of this huge like infected train. Ooh. And so obviously there's all kinds of enemies coming from every direction but the core threat throughout that stage is you're f- flying along a huge train. So those those kind of just give you a little bit of foreshadowing as to where we're heading with the rest of the the idea is that you're sort of globe trotting mm-hmm. and you're taking care of the infection, you know, as you go through and and you get called to different areas and different points as you move through the game.
1: Now, from feedback I got from the first time we spoke uh, on the UK forums, everyone was moaning about the size of the ship. I mean, it didn't have much. You know, I didn't bother me because it's the size of the ship, and it makes that a bit more difficult to dodge things. But you have actually made the ship a little bit smaller. Now, is that correct? But we made all the enemies way bigger too. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Yeah, I mean, Victor. You know, it, it's hard. I mean, you put so much time and thought into something, and I think people will gravitate naturally to criticism. I think it's it's oh yeah yeah. Uh, it's easier for people, I think, to shoot something down because then they they say, "Well, I never have to worry about playing that." Right? Like, uh, it's harder to want to play something that you can't. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. but that but that all that is to say is that um, we never got that feedback from a person who played the game.
1: Yeah. Because well, that, that's I, the big thing. I mean, I, I've been watching all your videos lately, and you sort of see something new every now and again. Like, I saw the Katana the other day, and I thought, oh, yeah, yeah it does that. But you don't actually know exactly how that works until you actually get all that joystick and play it. Right, And I right. Am, I'm itching to do so. I really am. Yeah,
5: um, I'm yeah we got to make that happen. I mean, you'll be so close to where we are. We'll figure out a way to...
1: Yeah, in December when I go to Chicago, that'd be great. We'll, we'll talk about that later on, but that sounds pretty cool. But the, the ship being a little bit small now, has the ship got um a smaller hitbox inside it, or is it actually pixel perfect? If you hit the size of your ship against something, you're going to die.
5: It's always been a smaller hitbox. It, it, yeah. It's always been basically roughly the size of the cockpit area.
1: Ah, cool, yeah, because you can scrape past things in, in sort right, of tight situations. That's we
3: wanted people to feel when they're getting past something that they just barely got past it. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, a and,
5: good
1: thing. I like
3: that.
5: But, and then, you know, the, I, I guess Phil and I we went back and forth a lot because, you know, part of, part of myself wanted to be steadfast to the original approach and all that. And, but the, the other thing was is that I've done a lot of spriting since that initial jet design. I mean, and we made that design almost on a whim and, and, you know, because we didn't even know we were going to be taking this seriously at the time that that original ship was designed. Yeah, so January two thousand fourteen. Right, that's <laughs> kind of scary to even think about. But so it, it looked awesome for two years. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for almost two years. Yeah, but 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 it, it just seemed like you know, if that's one, if that's the only thing, and that is legitimately like the thing that people have gravitated towards in terms of, oh, the ship's too large. I'll never play it. Yeah, yeah. It was like, well, then you know, it's not, it's not going to change the gameplay or the essence of the game that we're creating. So why don't we kill, feed two birds with one seed and make the ship smaller and look a lot cooler? Because I've developed as a sprite artist since then.
2: Yeah.
5: And you know, we'll be done with it. And it's kind of like I, I you, you were talking a while, Victor, about how you did all this work in your lawn, uh, yeah. and you, you were talking about how awful it is, but. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's done now.
1: Oh, bits. <laughs> I, my, well, my sore back has solved that.
5: Yeah, well, well, well I, was just, I was just thinking, like, finishing the new player sprite, it was a slog, it was something I didn't want to do, you know, because I want to keep progressing on the game. But I do have a sense of accomplishment now that it's done, because it's like, okay, now we can move on. People who still say the sprite is too big... Please don't play the game, right? Yeah. Like, it, it, there's plenty of other games for you to play, right? But, but you know, we we wanted to be receptive to people's feedback, and and you know, we know that we're mark we're targeting a very very small audience anyway, right? With the arcade game, mm-hmm. so we wanted to be responsive there, and, and I think the new ship looks cooler. It's more thoroughly designed. It, it kind of fits the rest of the graphics a little better now. Yeah, and and it's done. So it's like let's let's move on. Let's keep making the game look and feel as, as good as it possibly can.
3: Have you posted that sprite? Yet? Yeah, I, d- I okay. just
5: updated some uh, some new screenshots with the new mm. players.
3: The,
1: the feedback I did get, honestly, um, 95% of it was really positive because everyone wants a new game in the arcade. They really do. And I think the people who were saying the ship was too big, I don't think they realised at the time, and hopefully they will now, that the hitbox is a small area like a lot of the more modern games because I played some games recently where your character's like a human and you're flying up the screen. But right. your hitbox is just like your chest area or something. And that makes the game a lot easier. But when you first think of it, you think, oh my god, I'm, how am I gonna, you know, avoid these things this massive player? But you don't have to avoid you only have to avoid your hitbox. Right. So hopefully right. now people will realise that and give Sky Cursor a bit more of a chance. But yeah, I mean, I, it wasn't I, honestly really really good feedback I got. And I think there's a few few people sort of said, Oh, it looks really big. But I mean you do get big ships in a lot of games, and everyone loves that. So I think they need to play it, and then they'll be converted, I reckon.
5: Yeah, and, and that's really, you know, that's, we, you, the part of me is like, you know, how do we make sure that that this is not a gimmick, right? We, we don't want people to buy SkyCursor just because they want a new arcade game. We want them to buy SkyCursor because it's a fantastic game. And I think when we originally started this, and even, Victor, when we originally talked to you, we were having a lot of fun and we were super proud of what we were doing. But I think in the last year, we've really honed our craft and I think we've gotten a lot more clear in terms of our vision of where we're going. And now it's like, okay, like this could be a real thing. Like this game, and it feels the way that we want it to feel. It feels polished. It, it, it has, you know, it, it, it f- fits into the world that we're trying to create, which is that 90s style. Shooter, um, it has a it has a fresh approach to it, but but it's it's there, right? And so, and I think we've kind of kicked it into high gear now a little bit in terms of trying to finish the game and and maybe also try to get the word out on the game a little bit more, um, because I think we're at the point now where we're like we really believe in this and we really think that people will enjoy the game if they give it a chance.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next thing I was going to ask about, well, I think you sort of already spoke about this. Is then what are the tweaks and uh, design change you've been making? But the one I want to sort of talk about really is the boss fights. So I've seen the first boss fight, I'm not sure of the name, is the big blue Skellington guy, yeah. the skull. Um Yucky. and his special moves. And also the second one is uh Julio and Cesar. 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 Yeah. I, I really like these guys. It's brilliant. Yeah. The so eye and the, and the mouth.
5: Yeah, one of the yeah, yeah, one of the things uh in sky cursor with so there's all the mutants that come down on on earth and then infect other uh both living organisms and non-living organisms yeah but then there's sort of this hierarchy and above the mutants are ghouls Mm -hmm. and so ghouls are always named characters and they um have sort of a trait so um Gaki was the first ghoul, and he's the blue tentacle uh, skeleton monster. Yeah. And he's the ravenous ghoul because he just goes and eats everything. And he's just sort of like, that's uh, he gets sent out to just sort of wreak as much havoc as possible. And Julio and Cesar, who are named after a, a very famous um, Mexican boxer, my family's from Mexico, and they were, they were obsessed with boxing, right. especially my grandpa. And there was a, a boxer named Julio Cesar Chavez. And so Julio and Cesar are boxing ghouls, ah. and so they actually go and box cities. So they they knock down cities like like they're boxing the city, right? Yeah. So they use a, kind of a blend of their magic attacks and actually just physically punching.
1: Yeah, you. I saw so you what, I saw one sp- of the players getting fisted by him. It's yeah. like, oh my god, what's going on?
5: Yeah, and and we're still working on timing and things like that to make sure that they they telegraph the moves. enough where the player has time to move but it's you know you don't i don't think you see that kind of attack in uh in a a traditional shooter yeah it must be quite a shock when you first
1: get hit by it as well
5: yeah yeah it's it's almost like you're kind of having a dance it's i had a a close friend come over who's actually potentially going to be helping us do some design for other games but he was saying like when you're when you're really getting into the flow with the boss fights it's like you're having a dance with them right Hmm. you know their patterns and you're able to sort of manipulate their patterns in a way that it's like it looks really cool, right? Because you're dodging the punches and you're reflecting their bullets back at them, and you're you know you're just narrowly missing all these different attacks that they use on you. But yeah, yeah I mean, I think a, an arcade game like S- Sky Cursor or a shooter or a run and gun is only as good and it's memorable as its boss fights. So we put a lot of time and thought into making like the most like wow like. Mm. And a ton of work goes into animating sprites that large, as as I'm sure. Oh, you Oh God, might they're
1: be. massive, aren't they? The, the sprites yeah. on the screen are huge.
5: It's like a fighting game at that point in terms of just the size and the scope of the of the sprites. So, there's a lot of work that goes into that. But I think the payoff, because you just don't see that much anymore. You don't see these like full screen sprites happening.
2: And
5: mm. I think the payoff is like, okay, it was worth it, right? Like it was worth staying up till three in the morning you know? oh, yeah. <laughs> for a month straight, right? But but, um, but yeah, I, the, the boss fights are definitely something we take really, really seriously. Mm.
1: And you mentioned having a, having a dance with it. Is there sort of some sort of manner of patterns to, to defeat a boss? Or can you do it sort of any which way? Or you have to do, as you said earlier, some of them have got, they've got weak points and, and some of your weapons won't affect them as good as others. Is there sort of patterns you can learn during the game?
3: Yeah, and, and I this I I think there has to be almost in, it's a good in,
1: play mechanic I think pattern especially in some games.
3: Right, absolutely, and we did that with Gacky, and um, you know we what we saw when we did a lot of play testing, uh, location testing was that people at first, you know, uh, uh, with the, our first goal that we did, just were like, man, he's doing so many different things, it's hard to catch. And then as we kind of stood there and and, and just kind of talked to them as they were fighting, they started to see the pattern emerge mm. and um, we've done the same thing with the boss uh, at, uh, bosses at the end of level two and um, yeah, so we, we've we've kind of got uh, it set up so that they they'll go into their loops indefinitely until they get to a certain level of hit points and then they'll both you know kind of uh, go into their final loop. but yeah they do the same thing over and over. But with enough, at the same time, with enough uh, uniqueness in their patterns, Mm. to uh, make it a long loop, so to speak.
1: And they have some quite spectacular death scenes. I've seen those online as well.
5: Yeah, that's another thing. If you, you know, it's like every time you make the commitment to doing something large, you have to do it all large, right? (laughs) Like, so it's like you can't just have these guys explode because they're made out of you know they're flesh and bone, right? So they have. their meat so you have to figure out some way of making a creative death and, and for gacky he's got this big missile embedded in his head right yeah. Yeah. and it's constantly smoking like okay something's going on there so a smart <laughs> player knows that's what i need to aim for right yeah and that's what actually once you do enough damage you trigger that missile to explode and i mean it's a huge screen feeling filling explosion Ooh. and it's just like okay you're never going to see that animation anywhere else in the game yeah. right that 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 explosion is unique to gaki's death and i think that's one of those little like touches that people you may not even notice it at the time but it's like okay that was that was really you know epic i guess is the word when i killed him right that that it feel it feels like i did something special and that's what we always try to keep in mind with the uh, with the bosses and, yeah. and with the patterns it's like you you want to have a pattern because you don't want to just crush the player's spirit right you want to make sure that that if they continue to try, they'll, they'll learn the game. But I think it's important to make the pattern feel like you're fighting something that is intelligent or that uh, is not just a series of patterns. And I think we do that by the complexity of the pattern and the variety of the pattern.
1: Mm. You mentioned that. Do the the enemies, or especially the boss enemies, do they have some sort of AI? Can they learn what you're doing and adapt to it at all? So any sort of adaptive qualities to, to the to Brad. the bosses?
2: Brad. Uh,
1: <laughs> Brad, to the mic. Brad to the mic, please.
3: Could we build some AI? Yeah, some of the enemies do have AI, but cool. You know, part of part of the level design is that uh, back to you know, kind of giving patterns and uh, a timeline to the enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, the enemies are not going to do the exact same thing every time. And we're not just talking Uh about the boss. We're talking about uh, any enemy throughout the level. They have small, small glimpses of AI in that in some cases, you know, they'll follow the, um, in this particular part of their, uh, you know, programmed pattern as they come out on screen, they're going to follow Sky cursor around the screen. And then when they, Hit the next part of their uh, loop or pattern that they're they're running. They'll stop following Skycursor, ah. and we've done that a couple of different times throughout. Um, but I I think what would be important there if we do if we did do something like that was would would be to not let that be the case during the entire boss fight. Like it would be important for us to only do that you know a certain part of the boss fight. Yeah. Uh, because if you do that and the boss is, you know, either constantly learning, then it just, it, it like shoots the level of difficulty through the roof where yeah, go rogue. You know, it, it's just not fun to the player anymore. Mm.
5: Yeah. And uh, like, but what Brad did touch on, like one of the things is the variety of how enemies attack you. And, and so we do program in things where I think the best example, like is the wolf uh, helicopter, uh, it it, it sort of has a a section of its pattern where it's trying to hunt you down. Mm -hmm. And so it's following you around and then it'll dive towards you and try to like take a bite out of you. (laughs) So it's just, you know, just those subtle things. But I think one of the important things with shooters uh, specific to the style that we're doing is that a player who has experienced the level once should be able to go back and play a little better than they did last time because they're a little bit more comfortable with how things happened, And I think if you start adding too much AI, you have uh, one, it becomes exponentially more difficult to create, mm. right. To program AI. But then two, it's like, Oh, I thought those guys did this and now they're doing something yeah. different. And, yeah. and so I think yeah. it kind of crush the player spirit a yeah. little bit. With and, that. and the
3: other thing that's going to be important to that uh, for us here in the future is the scoring mechanism. If the, if the computer does something uh, too different each time, Then you don't you. you, I think decrease you will decrease the the replayability factor um, because there's not a you know the the player can't get into that huge score attack that they're trying to do uh, over and over and trying to top their previous score. If you are making the enemies do something different each time, they can't get into that you know. Hey, I'm I'm doing a score attack this time, and I'm gonna get the high score.
1: Mm. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose patterns are quite a familiar thing for people to play. and they, they, People enjoy patterns. I think they, when they get to learn them, it's quite interesting learning the patterns, and then you've got it, and you learn the next one and the next one. That's where the, you sort of get through the game a bit easier. And Next time you play, you might get a bit further. Right. You've got to keep them, keep them keen, keep them interested.
5: I, I think one of the th- th- things that I do want to say, though, is like I think of a game like R-Type, for example. Incredible game. But if you don't have the patterns memorized to a exact, you know, a knowing exactly when and where things happen, Mm. you almost cannot win. Yeah. And one of the things that we wanted to try to do, because I I come from kind of like the background of playing a lot of fighting games and things like that, where it's sort of like about your reflexes and your ability to kind of foresee like what might happen. And so we kind of try to make sure that there's a, a sense of, even if you don't know the patterns, if you play smart and you use your weapons the way that, you know, the, the way to maximize their impact, there's still a chance even if you have no idea what the pattern might be. Because I, I think some of, especially some of the earlier shooters, one of the places they fall short a little bit in, in terms of, of the ones I want to play constantly is just the fact that they, they so demand the player know every single pattern. Mm. And so it's kind of trying to ride that line a little bit is where I think we, we're constantly trying to think like patterns that are good and they make you feel empowered when you know them. But how do we also reward players who are just instinctually good at the game?
1: Mm. So we've got two levels now. Have you guys nailed down how What's many up? levels are going to be? <laughs> no, I don't know more. We more and more levels.
5: Yeah. So um, I think what was the, what was the question Vic? Sorry.
1: Um, we've got two levels at the moment. How many are going to be planned for the finished game?
5: I think the six right now is where we're at. Six, Excellent. yeah, six. Um, there, one of the great things about how our hardware platform is designed is it allows for very, very easy uh, updates via USB. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things we'd like to start doing, and, and in fact, the uh, agreement that we've reached with Adam over at uh, Arcade Heroes and the Game Grid Arcade mm-hmm. is that he's going to get an advanced copy of. Skycursor. So okay. in the next month or so, you'll be able to go to the Game Grid and play a Skycursor machine in the flesh. You know, so um, which is awesome. But it's a prototype, and the the game isn't done. And so what we're going to do is, as uh, updates happen, we'll be sending them to him live, along with maybe even new marketing materials and things like that, so he can continue to keep the momentum around the game. Because we obviously want to, people who invest in us early like that, we want to make sure that we invest back into them. Mm. And all that is to say is that, let's say there's a huge demand for SkyCursor or uh, people really want more stages. It's not out of the question, like, if we would have gone the route of a printed circuit board and true, like, ROM chip style, we would have to have made a commitment that, you know, we got everything exactly the way it needed to be, um, or, you know, or face like massive, massive uh, costs to re- make refinements. Whereas this, yeah, this
1: is the easiest on, way, isn't it? It's,
5: it's easy, right, yeah. So all that is to say is that, you know, my hope is that we can we can move to another game once SkyCursor's finished, but if there's demand there, there's definitely an opportunity for us to do really inexpensive, like, updates where there's new stages or maybe even potentially free updates for people who wow, have yeah. uh, just the game hardware.
1: Yeah, because even pinball machines nowadays, modern pinballs, um, you can update the the software with a USB stick as well. It's the way to go, I think.
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, we want to be smart about it, right? We want to stay true to the arcade roots, Mm -hmm. but it's like, why not take advantage of the opportunity that, like, that format allows of just easy, responsive updates?
1: Mm. And we're talking about the hardware Obviously, I think now you have the the hardware specs right down where you want to be. They're not going to change now. That's exactly what you want on the uh, the airframe technology. That's true. Yeah, for the most part, um, everything
6: that we've uh, specced out is probably going to ship with the oh. you know the first iteration of the game. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we're right now in the process of having the enclosure actually made. So thinking through, um, hey, are we going to use plastic? What type of plastic are we going to use for the enclosure? Hey, maybe we could use metal. Um, who's going to do the metal? How are we going to have it machined? What? Just the whole process around putting the enclosure together. Mm-hmm. So the reason I'm talking so much about the enclosure is because the enclosure is, you know, kind of that last piece that says, okay, you've already got the guts figured out so you've got all the different little pieces of technology that are going inside the enclosure mm-hmm. now you can actually f- pull the trigger on the dimensions of the enclosure and where all the inputs are going to actually align so yeah hardware is basically done cool. um for everybody out there that's curious yeah we we um mini itx size motherboard so um in the future very similar to what maybe like a Tato Type X is like um, in the sense that, hey, this is a, a known size in three, four years, five years. If we wanted to upgrade the um, the chips inside or, you know, the RAM and the processor and the, all the little different components that uh, make the game, you know, feel really slick uh, in terms of the amount of graphics and the things that are, you know, pumping through the engines that we're using. hmm hey, it's the same form factor. We can plop in a new, um, a new motherboard, no problem. And then all the other components that exist around it, they're all standard size things. And uh, the actual airframe, which is what we're calling the, uh, the whole package of uh, the technology that actually will go inside the arcade cabinet, there's enough leeway and uh, space inside to account for oh, maybe you want to overclock your system or you want to add a larger audio amp or, um, hey, you want to have a digital out. All those types of things could be added, no problem, in the future. So airframe, in the sense, like, oh, you know, I kind of joke, well, it's just a box, but it's a box that's been designed to spec. So there's just air in it right when we print it out or when we have it manufactured, but um, we can put all these different, like, specialized Sometimes specialized, sometimes just off-the-shelf components inside, and arcade operators will be able to work on it pretty cool. easily. We'll be able to ascend, assemble them pretty easy, easily, and if there's ever like a replacement part that needs to go out, it can be repaired very easily
1: and cost-effectively. So, this thing is it going to sort of look like I imagine in my little tiny head, uh, like a CPS two cartridge sort of thing?
5: Yeah, I was just getting ready. To but draw. smaller, just, obviously. Like, I don't know if you had the same experience when you bought your first CPS two, but man, there's just something about that hardware in particular in terms of the way it looks physically.
2: Mm, Yeah. Like
5: just makes you feel like you 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 made a good choice, you know? (laughs) And so one of the things that's been sort of as the art director on the project is really top of mind of me is right now we are targeting arcade operators because Mm -hmm. we believe that we can deliver the best possible return on investment in terms of the cost that we're able to offer this at, um, for an arcade operator where it's essentially, you know, in our, our hope is that it's a no brainer for them. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's that part of me that's like, obviously I want home collectors to want to have this and to potentially purchase it as well. And I think about that rewarding experiences of cracking open a brand new kit. I bought this in the North star on a Thomas wave as a kit. Um, and, you know, opening it up and getting the marquee, getting the hardware, getting the control panel overlays, getting, you know, we're packing a poster, um, and we've made some serious investments in terms of commissioning um, our production artist, Kelsey, to design a huge full-color poster that features this super exciting, you know, scene from the game, um, all, you know, meticulously, not computer graphics, you know, hand-rendered, and so, it's just those types of things that I hope people will say, "Wow, like this is an independent project, but it sure feels like something that came out of a big studio."
1: Mm. That was my next sort of thing to ask. Actually, is um, an inventory of the kit. Obviously, you get the the airframe PCB, and the uh, thing I'll just go back on. It's going to be completely Jammer compatible. Is it going to have JVS as well, which is a more modern sort of Jammer, or is I it think- j- just going to be j- uh, Jammer? Because I mean, I mean. 99% of our arcade machines surely a jammer nowadays.
5: Yeah, and that, that's why Victor, I mean I we had to think about that really long and hard because it's every time you add that flexibility you also add cost. Of course. And one of the things that we've been really trying to think is how do we get this thing down in terms of cost to where it isn't out of the question for a home collector, right? Mm, yeah. And so we the the penetration in terms of the the ratio of Jamma cabinets versus other potential options was just so huge in terms of JAMA being the standard that we just said, let's just focus on JAMA, do that really well. Mm. But one of the things I will mention is that we're trying to be conscious of future-proofing airframe as well. And so we also want to be able to offer uh, the potential of using uh, modern LCD which makes makes me kind of cringe to even say it.
1: Yeah, but the modern <laughs> but, cabs have got that. That's the thing, isn't it
5: yeah, yeah, and so one of the things we're going to be looking into after we're done with Skycursor, I think we're going to need to fo- we need to focus is um, looking into really nice CRT emulation via software.
2: Yeah, um,
5: there's been some games that have come out that I think are really starting to get to a point to where it's like, man, that looks pretty darn good Mm. and so i think if we're really smart about it and we take a really design first approach in terms of uh we're not just trying to emulate exactly what a crt does but the way a crt feels Mm. then i think we'll get to a point to where you know if we're going to do the crt emulation on lcd i want it to be literally the best crt emulation that's ever happened right so but and that's going to take a lot of time and thought so we want to just focus on this this is designed in 240p so standard resolution for CRT arcade monitors, you know, because that's the way the game looks best. It, it kind of looks, yeah, that's the way that we feel it looks best. But we want to also be aware that, um, you know, we, we want to support this industry, and we also understand that no one is making CRTs. And mm, so absolutely. how do we address that? So And, and so that's going to be something I think that as a team we're going to really buckle down on after Sky Cursor's finished. I suppose. And I think that, we'll,
6: sorry, go, go I was just going to say the last time we were on this podcast, I, I think I remember you talking about how there's just basically piles and piles and piles of uh, CRTs over in the UK that have an RGB connection yeah. on them, right? And,
1: yeah, uh, yeah, Scott is RGB. You want to get yeah. like a
6: Kickstarter together to, <laughs> <you> know,
3: <laughs> ship them over
6: to get like a shipping container yeah. full of uh, absolutely UK CRTs. We'll talk about yeah. that after <laughs> offline. What, yeah. one, of
5: the, one of the things that we've also talked a lot about is like, We've been able to accomplish a lot, or at least in my mind, I feel really proud of what we've been able to do without asking for anything, right? Mm. So no Kickstarter, no Indiegogo campaign, no donation system, nothing. Um, And I think if we ever do make a request, it will be once there's something done and we're either trying to make it cheaper or we're trying to make more of them or we're trying to make it more accessible, so, you know, that's one of the kind of the things that I think has been one of our guiding principles. It's like, let's give three times before we ask, you know. Mm. And so, you know, we, we haven't done a Kickstarter. We haven't done anything like that. And that's really actually, you know, very purposeful because we want to have complete things before we ask for anything. So we want to make the airframe available at a reasonable cost. And if we ever do ask for anything, it'll be because more people want it than we can supply it to, or we want to make it cheaper, or we want to make it faster, or whatever, but... I think that's one of the, been one of our guiding principles that I think will stay true as we as we continue to develop more games.
6: I think Absolutely. anybody would create a Kickstarter for us to create a Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: they might we do. We got to
6: give these guys some Kickstarter money just so they'll.
5: And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, like it just, but it sometimes feels a little strange. Like you see these Kickstarter campaigns, and some of them do really well. And there's like basically just drawings <laughs> of like, oh, here's what we could make, and it's like, wow, man, that's you guys are really bold in terms of asking for money that early on i, I don't yeah. know I, it, it kind of rubs me the wrong way i think
1: there's a lot of them as well there's loads of them out there now
5: yeah yeah
1: so to get back to the um the finalized uh kit that you're going to send me quite soon uh, what am i going <laughs> to get in my kit my personalized kit yeah what's that so this this kit you're going to send me very soon okay. what am i going to get in it
5: okay so what's in it <laughs> so uh, the guys are going to keep me honest because one of the things is that what we want to do is have all the elements together and then just take that photo, right? That says, here it is, yeah. right? Like, so you know exactly what you're getting. There's no questions asked. Like you, if you, if you feel like it's a good investment and that's why we haven't talked about the price either is because we want to be able to share with people exactly what they're going to get before we, we talk really about price.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of things to nail down first exactly. before you can even talk about costs. I right. Think. So,
5: for example, um, we already know exactly what side art will be included. We know uh, we will continue to expand the options on the marquees, but we have two different marquees that, Ooh, that can be chosen from. Mm-hmm. We, uh, the process of the poster is, is being designed right now. That was one of the things that Adam was actually responsive to was he's like, I, you know, no one thinks about like, how do I promote this game once it's at my arcade? So we want to make this huge poster that's like really eye catching, almost like a movie poster mm-hmm. that can be hung outside of the arcade or by the arcade cabinet or whatever that says like, here's a brand new game that you can't yeah. play anywhere else. Right. So there's going to be the poster. There's going to be the control panel overlay. One of the things Phil and I was just were just talking about is the control panel as it stands today we had a really talented designer design it for us, um, who's actually done work for Capcom and Sega, and he's he's just a very talented guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's very specialized to fit a Dynamo style cabinet right now. Yeah. So one of the things we want to think about is: do we have options, or do we make a more flexible control panel design that can fit maybe on a broader range of? So there's things mm-hmm. like that we still need to think about. So let's see: we've got the marquee, the side art, the control panel, the hardware, the poster. We'll probably pack in some t shirts, you know, just because we can't resist giving away goodies. Cool. Um, and then the software key, which is via USB for Sky Cursor. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, am I missing anything?
1: Sounds so, pretty good to me.
5: Yeah. I mean, we key want. Keychain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Leather jacket. Leather jacket. <laughs>
1: I would certainly use a keychain, honestly. Because yeah. the, the collectors out there will eat this up. That sort of stuff is amazing for collectors. I mean, a collector getting a kit is just got to be one of the best things you can collect.
5: And I think, like, you know, Neo Geo dev team does a great job with that. Uh, they have really nice kits, and I think it helps them merit the price point, right? Because it's like, look at all this great stuff we get. Like, because we're doing this all on our own, like, we can't go out, we can't afford to go out and buy 500 motherboards, right? And mm. potentially get the cost savings, but what we can do is pack as many additional things in there as we possibly can to help a person who does make the investment feel like, wow, that's like, this is really great. Like a lot of tender loving care went into this package. Right. And mm.
2: and
5: it's almost like, I don't know. I think it's like buying a, a record on vinyl versus buying an MP3, you know, like it's oh, just, yeah, absolutely. that really complete experience of you get all the goodies that you could want and more operators menu or uh, operator, uh,
1: Handbook will probably be in there as well. Mm-hmm. So. so a friend of mine um, found out what you were doing. Um, he must have looked at my Facebook or whatever, and he sort of got hold of me about it. And he's, um, he's a musician. He, he, does, uh, he does electric circuits, pitch bend and that sort of stuff. And he was interested in, in maybe doing some music for you because he does a lot of sort of um, industrial-type music.
5: Oh, um, yeah.
1: Are you, are you sort of after people to help out as well? Because obviously, it's a massive project for the three guys.
5: Yeah, I think, uh, and I'll definitely let the other guys talk in terms of what we're we're looking for. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me right now, I every single sprite in the game I've actually done on my own.
1: Yeah, it's and a lot it's of work for all three of you.
5: It's not that I don't love it. It's just that I want to do more. Right, I want mm. to move faster, and so I'm having some com- communication with some very talented pixel artists. All oh, right, it's Good. incredibly expensive. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was actually taken back at, at how much uh, good pixel art people say, like, oh, all these indie games using pixel art because it's cheap. It's like, uh, I don't know if I would say that. Mm. But um, but anyhow, uh, so I'm looking for pixel artists. I am interested in having conversations with uh, musicians it's funny because because I have that background in music, it's one of the things that actually happens easiest for me.
2: Mm, in yeah terms of I'm sure.
5: like, I can crank out the music. I feel pretty confidently because I just have that background, but that doesn't mean that I couldn't use the help. yeah, but those sure. are kind of the, the the main area I think I'm looking for the most help in is uh, sprite artwork, pixel art, um, and uh, you know, potentially music as well. Um we've got the production artist. Kelsey, who does more of our, like, full-color, large-scale artwork, she's amazing. She's kind of been very, very responsive. She's she's local, so I'm able to, like, actually have conversations with her. But she, she's, like, kind of our person, our go-to for that. But those are – the pixel artist is definitely the thing that I would love to find someone who I can have really good communication with, who's excited about the project, definitely can pay them. Um, but, but I, yeah, I'd, be, I'd love to hear anything about sound. But I'll, I'll turn it over uh, to the guys to maybe see if they have any thoughts
3: yeah so um you know i'm the lead developer this is brad um we have uh initially when we started setting up the game we we took a couple of uh key things into consideration um the main thing was whether or not there could ever be any other developers on this project Mm -hmm. and i think we're in a good place for that um i think uh in in general we have a, a private Git repo on uh, Bitbucket. We have um, uh, the game is uh, set up uh, fairly decently. There is going to be a little bit of technical debt to pay down if somebody's brought on board. But one of the things that we also understand is that um, bringing a new developer on board also uh, requires a little bit of uh, time to ramp up in terms of in terms of the time. Mm. So I think we're in a in a little bit of a unique position here with um, we are set up to bring other developers on board. We even have a, a ticketing system that we have set up like a normal, you know, uh, dev team would have where they say, okay, we got to address this bug, address this bug, address this bug, fix this thing, script this uh, enemy out, you know, certain things like that. And a developer can come in, pull those tickets off and uh, mark them as complete Um and we, we have a sort of a user testing slash QC process uh, with some, some close friends of ours who are doing, besides us, the user testing on the game. So we, we, have, a, we have a good process in place. Um, I think uh, in terms of who we're looking for that could help right now would be somebody who has some experience uh, with Game Maker, or can get up to speed very quickly with Game Maker. I would say, as a developer, it's a lot like JavaScript. I've also heard it's a lot like Python. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm not a Python developer. I've got uh, experience with other server-side technologies, but um, so somebody who can read documentation and get up to speed quickly, and or look at another developer's code um, and just kind of begin to figure things out with uh, minimal direction. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is on the table, uh, but we also do have a, a deadline that we're kind of like trying to hit, um, and I'll let Steve or Chris, uh, sorry, Phil or Chris talk to, to that. So the question is, if I bring another developer on, is it going to slow us from hitting that deadline, mm-hmm. which um, you know, could be a real possibility or, uh, or not. But again, we're set up to bring other developers on. The question is just how long it takes to get them up to speed. Sure.
6: This might be slightly premature because uh, we haven't really... I don't know if we've. the three of us have come to a decision. Um, I don't know. I guess we could probably just say that this is a certain, a certain type of news. So if we were to think of how we're currently set up operationally, the three of us are working on SkyCursor, the game, but then there's also the three of us that are working on this, this business of arcade production and arcade... Uh, you know promotion and just like the three people that just want to make games and um, the if I were to switch over to speaking to as one of the people of this like little business this Griffin Aerotech Arcade Production House that um, I think getting the word out about like hey this is this is starting to become so real that it would be really fun to talk to other people about making games for mm, yeah the you know for Airframe. Yeah. right. And so um, for example, your your friend Vic, that's got you know, some music chops. yeah. You can put him or her together with somebody who's got some graphic or some like conceptual creative stuff in their brain and then match them with a developer. I think that would be really fun. I mm. think that could be really cool just for the whole arcade scene to be like, oh, not only did the Skycursor guys—they've got this game coming out—but man, they're really trying to go hard and get other people to start developing for the arcade.
1: And yeah, so that'd be great. I
6: think that's too premature of a, yeah. an ass yeah. to say, but talking through like the three guys that are running this, running this—you know, this nascent arcade <laughs> publishing business—I um, think it would be really cool to get the word out about like, hey, this thing is so legitimate now that you can actually develop for it. And there's a, like a business model behind it, yeah, which yeah. isn't always the cutest thing to talk about with people, but um, it could be really fun.
5: And, and that's the thing. Like, I think for me, you know, I, I try to constantly look at what we're doing with sort of a like a, a typical, like internet troll perspective, I guess. And, you know, it's easy to be like, oh, this airframe thing, whatever. There'll be one game on it and it'll go away and it'll be a cool flash in the pan, but it'll be a flash in the pan. And for me, it's like, I want this to eventually someday be a career. And I don't think that's going to be possible unless we're able to say, okay, the airframe not only has cursor, but it also has, you know, these new games coming up on it and they're all at the quality standard that we've developed sort of as like our sort of this is the this is what you expect from a Griffin AeroTech game, right? Mm. And so one of the things we're doing right now is we actually just met with a very talented developer here locally. And we're now working on pairing him with uh, another creative person who we trust and know to get them started on game number two as Skycursor's happening so that it's like, okay, if I do make the investment in Airframe and Skycursor, I know on the back end there's another game coming. And once I have the hardware, the software is significantly less expensive. Hmm. Uh, But all of a sudden now, you know, buying airframe or like investing in what these guys are doing is more compelling because i know other games are actually going to happen
3: yeah that's brilliant yeah and i think those key things that we're working on now uh like i'm talking about with uh development how we have a repo and we have a ticketing system and we have quality control in place those things we can we understand and can apply to any other games that we're going to be building so it, you know, even if we have those things in place, but maybe I can or can't get a developer on right now, we can help the next developer or development team with some of those things that we've already learned. So yeah. that's right. big for us.
1: Sounds like you got it together, guys. Eh,
3: you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it's
5: funny because like we'll, we'll we'll I think we're <coughs> riding a little bit of a wave, honestly, right now, Victor. Like we're feeling good uh mission two like i think just like man it's like everything i wanted sky cursor to be it's really coming together but then something will happen where we're just like god we suck (laughs) like i have no idea what we're doing you know like oh no and i think it's just like it's just because we're so emotionally invested Mm -hmm. and i try not to rant and rave about the game you know but i'm like we're proud of what we're doing you know and it's it's like this is like the dream I've had since I was a little kid and it's specifically arcade games. Cause I think arcade games are just fundamentally different than any other gaming platform out there. And it's like, how do we make this a reality in 2015? You know? And I think it's like, you got to make it relatively inexpensive. You've got to make the games incredibly good. You know, that are people are going to actually want to invest their time and money into, and you've got to have more than one. Right. So Absolutely. we're really trying to think about how do we make this a real thing?
1: Hmm. Well, I, I know um, a handful of people in the UK would have this in a second. Honestly, there's some arcades uh, in the UK. We're sponsored by one, actually, Arcade Club. Um, they would love to have this, I'm sure. I, I mean, I will talk to, to Andy next time I see him and, and tell him all about it and show him the videos and stuff.
5: It's 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 a little hard to keep track. We try to be really on top of our correspondence. Like if someone emails us through dev at skycursor.com or any of our contacts, mm-hmm. we try to get right back to them. But we ha- we've noticed that like people are actually interested and they're like, you know I'm sure they want to make a smart decision like and they want to make sure it's a real thing, but we've had arcades and um, home collectors start to reach out for us, re- reach out to us and you know we could always use the capital and we'd love to sell. But at the same time, we need to make sure that what we give them is worth their investment and it works the way that we want it to. And it doesn't leave them with the sour taste in their mouth either. Mm, so yeah. what we've been doing is we will entertain conversations about purchasing SkyCursor. Um, but it needs to be on this understanding of you understand that software updates will be coming. Um, this is a prototype. There may be a bug, you know, Um uh, yeah. uh, uh, we play it a lot and we don't experience them, but we play, you know, and we've had to play testers, but you know, all, all that is to say is that right now it's a one-to-one. If you want to have the conversation, we'd love to have it with you, but there will be a day where it'll be as easy as looking on the website, seeing how much it costs and purchasing it. If you're interested.
1: Absolutely. Um, I will give out all your details on, on the, uh, the website. Um, so, they can look at your videos and uh, maybe follow your blog, uh, ask questions, maybe. And if there's even any arcade operators listening, they know where to come and they can get in contact with you guys. I think that's about it, actually. Um, apart from the fact, when can I play it? Because I'm well, so. I watch the videos and I, I've seen something new every time. I think oh, I just want to have a go. I really do. I want to get into it.
5: I, I, like I said, I mean, I, I definitely like. I want to try to meet you when you're it when when you're in the states uh definitely uh try to meet you somewhere and hopefully uh by then i can't imagine it wouldn't the arcade there's an arcade in chicago that has purchased a actually dedicated machine awesome uh, so we're really excited about that they didn't just get the conversion kit so Mm. it kind of has the full package like we went meticulously through the crt and Make sure everything just looked and felt the way that we wanted it to. You know, we have the nicest Sanwa sticks and buttons in there. Mm
1: -hmm. That's one thing else I was going to ask you about. I noticed on one of your videos, you've got um, the smaller panel on there now, just with the one stick and the three buttons.
5: Yeah. I like
1: that. It's much more simple. It looks a lot nicer, I think, now. It's properly dedicated, I think.
5: Right, right. Yeah, and I I think um, we wanted to make sure. Yeah, and it was just us being reacted to, to what we had right we had a, we had a control panel yeah, we, had, a,
6: we had a control panel with all the holes in it so we
5: but yeah no that that's yeah we want that clean look in the in the dedicated machines for sure and but.
6: actually i might even go on record right now it's like as soon as the enclosure's done and we have the packaging for the whole thing we're gonna have to do an international shipping test
5: yeah. I mean, so, make sure, oh. so
6: make sure it gets over there without being just yeah. like a complete jumbled mess of garbage. So, <laughs> um,
5: so i mean, we'll yeah. ship it to you. Yeah, because yep. I, I think, you know, you've been nothing but.
3: Uh, yeah, let's not wait until it comes all the way over yeah, here. Yeah, no, later. no, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, I'm just saying <laughs>
5: at the very least. Right, right, at well, the very my case
1: will have a space for some Griffin Aerotech. Definitely yeah. when I come back.
5: But yeah, I think you know what you guys are doing is awesome. I mean, I legitimately like it's my favorite podcast, and Thank actually your show has been the one that got me listening to podcasts, which I listen to all the time now at work. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'd love to send you guys a, a board, and I, you know, I I think Sean would like it too, just based on you know he likes a, a good uh, '90s. Uh, he style. does
1: like shooting stuff in the face, our huh, Sean. <laughs> well, he the does. thing the thing is is um. Obviously, we're, we're, we're sponsored by Arcade Club, which is getting bigger and bigger. They're moving to a new premises now, and they've got more machines uh, lined up and everything. And we yeah. also have quite a few shows on in the UK, and we do try and get to them. And I'll always be be willing to take along a SkyCursor board and let people have a look at it, definitely.
5: Yeah, that would be huge for us.
1: Mm, cool. Well, I think that's about it then, guys. So uh, thanks very much. It's been awesome as usual. And everyone... Talk to these guys, go and buy Sky Cursor, I reckon.
5: Yeah, well, we appreciate it, yeah, Vector, thank, you. Thank, thank you. Thank you.
1: Cheers and guys. You can download or play the podcast, read all the show notes, and leave feedback at ww.tenpencerk.co.uk. You can email me at vertvic at uk. You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at tenpencerk and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you for game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered.